Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. then. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Show, live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. It is two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this is the month of May in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and uh, joining us on this Thursday. Welcome to Day 12. It is 503-228-4101. If you would like to join us today, 503-228-4101 for your dialing and dancing pleasure. You can also uh, call a toll-free number if you're... uh, Needing to do that for some reason. I guess if you're that guy who's listening to us in Rashnamank or whatever it is, that place in uh, in Norway or someplace, 1-800-344-KUFO or 503-228-4101. You can also uh, email us. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com. Or Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R at KUFO.com. Ladies and gentlemen. All right. We're already having that dynamic today where the earlier we come in and the harder we work to get everything prepared for the show, the further behind we seem to fall. I already am. We're just like, it's like bailing out the ocean with a teaspoon today, man. There's just too much news. I need a stenographer of a gal Friday to help me over here. Hey, get me one while you're at it, Tim. I also need a gal Friday. And we'll get to, there is no male equivalent to a, a gal Friday, is there? There's no... Like, there's no, there's no male equivalent for women. I don't believe that men were allowed to type back then. No. <laughs> No, there were no Kelly boys, Tim. All right. Uh, well, in any event, it is just—it is like the more stuff we got taken care of, the more stuff the universe just threw at us, which is which is fantastic. You know, I, I'd rather have—I'd rather have too much stuff uh, to get to than to just end up being one of those shows in Peoria where you spend the whole day trying to trade a stained couch for something. But I just right out of the gate, I have to say that of all things, it was like it was opposite day last night because I know that at least for a portion of the night. I think for entirely different reasons, Tim and I were both, I can't even believe I'm saying these words out loud, Tim and I were both watching American Idol last night, and yet you didn't get uh, Anderson Cooper watch, and of all the nights for you not to see Anderson Cooper uh, on CNN, it was the night that he had Larry King on, because Larry King is pitching that uh, that book of memoirs that Steve Kastenbaum was talking to us about, it's called My, My Remarkable Journey or My Whatever, and here's the thing, Larry King is so unbelievably good at his job. That by the end of this two-minute interview, I was absolutely like, I gotta go on Amazon and buy it right now. Which I didn't go to Amazon, but I will be going to Powell's today. I swear to God, I'm gonna go to Powell's today after the show, and I'm gonna buy Larry King's memoirs in hardcover for like eighty-five dollars or whatever that's gonna cost You'd you. You'd be the only one buying his book. Yes, yes, yes. And I will. he'll write another one next year. Yeah, he's written several that nobody knew about. I know, but that's the thing is, I told Cast about it. it's like he writes, he cranks out his memoirs every six months. And it's like, how many times can you tell that you know the story about it? And then I talked to Sandy Koufax, or, or something. But I was watching Anderson Cooper last night, and do you ever have one of those one of those moments where you're watching television and you can't really believe that the conversation you're watching is actually happening on TV, and you actually have to back the TiVo or whatever up a few notches to go, "Am I? Did they really just say that? Am I really?" It's like that time that Anderson Cooper made all those teabagging references when he kept saying. 
You know, it's hard. I don't remember what he, what he said now. It's hard to talk when you're busy teabagging. He was talking about the tea, the, you know, the tea protest or whatever. And you're just sort of watching the TV going, really, am I, has this, at long last, has my sanity just departed me? And so that was the moment I had last night many, many times with Anderson Cooper talking to Larry King. And I won't really give much about it away except to say that it, it has to do with uh, the sex. So uh, we'll get to that. Let's see. Uh, uh, what else? Oh, now there's that insane car crash. That car chase. In, yeah. Is it Birmingham, Alabama? Birmingham, Alabama. Dude, you want to talk about something that it was surreal. It was like watching a first-person shooter video game or something, yeah. except it wasn't so much shooting as it was crashing and beating and then savagely beating some more. So it, I posted on my webpage, O'ReillyLive.com. It is surreal. It looks like a video game. It's, But it's not. It's, it's insane. Uh, so there's that, and then... Then there's American Idol, and the only part of American Idol I actually got to see last night was the part I didn't really care about, and the only part I missed was the part that I intended to watch, because I was just sitting at home minding my own business, got like a hundred text messages uh, about it. So, we'll get to that as well. Let's see. I, I tried to watch it, and, and by 9.35 ago, I'm okay, I'm going to stay until the very end. You're gonna Next thing through. I wake up, it's 10.25, and you know, Fox News, there's a stranger hiding in your dishwasher. <laughs> Um, okay, here's the okay. Uh, here's the strange part about that. It's not like we coordinate all these things. You so you watched American Idol up till nine thirty five. I, I could check. I guess I could check my text messages to see what time I tuned in. But I am almost positive that I actually started watching American Idol at nine thirty five because it was at the nine thirty five. That's weird. It was like some universe like tag, you know, take over kind of a thing. All right. Well, in any because you watch. I'll just say because you watch through the kiss thing. Yeah, the, we have it. And uh, I missed the We Are the Champions thing, but I have a little bit of that okay. also. So I got all these text messages. People are like, you got to turn into American Idol. Kiss is on. OMG. And like uh, Paddock and Joni and like three other people are like, you got to watch Kiss is on American Idol right now. It's the worst, best thing ever. Paul Stanley is absurd. Oh, it is. And I tuned in, and it was like, that was Kiss. Back after this. And I was like, ah, crap. And, and, I, and so then I kept watching like an idiot, uh, it, it, hoping that Kiss would make a return. Because, you know, you figure they're never really gone. And then they didn't come back. And I'd get to see a thoroughly awful Rod Stewart coming out and embarrassing himself and everyone. But all the members of KISS, not that there's anything wrong with it, are all starting to look like Darcel. Yeah. No, it's some more than others, Tim. Well, in any event. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? I'm doing just fabulous. All right. Are you indeed? Yes. Are you bored with all this American Idol talk? You was, no, it, I I feel like I'm like I'm not up with pop culture standards. Well, right the thing is, I I'm never up to it. I just happened to uh, attempt to be up with it last night, but it, my body just wouldn't cooperate. I, <laughs> it never does. Mine neither. Um, the like my thing is like I didn't even I wasn't even attempting to be up with pop culture. I I know that this makes me like a retard who's out of touch with you know with whoever. But I didn't even know it was on because I just don't watch American Idol. I don't, you know, whatever. Watch it, don't watch it. I just don't. But it was like when you get Google News alerts for something. Like when you set your Google uh, account to be like, notify me whenever there is a chainsaw story. Mm. That's how kind of like, you know, sometimes our circle of friends is. Because I didn't really realize that Kiss was going to be on American Idol. I didn't know it at all. Until immediately I got a bunch of text messages like, you must turn on American Idol right now. Kiss is on. And so uh, dutifully I turned it on and of course I missed it. So yeah. And there were some bizarre commercials last night. I don't know if anyone saw the Wendy's commercial, but they had this group of Adam Lambert lookalikes licking ice cream off spoons. It was really just <laughs> bizarre. That's creepy. 
But and Wendy talked, an animated Wendy talk, which really shocked me. Too. Really, Wendy's not supposed to speak. Well, she spoke in this commercial, and this was after these Adam Lambert lookalikes were sitting in a commercial licking spoons with ice cream. Uh, all right. Well, to go with the creepy uh, licking spoons of ice cream during Anderson Cooper, we had this moment during a commercial. Maybe we're due for a new direction. Overdue, if you ask me. So it's good to see that the new direction talk continues uh, unabated. Uh, Tim, what headlines are we uh, following today on this Thursday? Oh, I don't know. A uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> he says, rummaging have, through a pile have, of news I'm, that's I'm unsorted. Still I'm still working on it. Uh, make some things up if you like. So we know uh, Chris, Ad- uh, Chris Allen is the new American Idol. Adam Lambert did get to sing with Kiss. It is not too early for holiday barbecue tips. Uh, the coup goes Hollywood as Brandon Fraser and Harrison Ford are spotted in town. If that's not a surreal moment, I don't know what is. And we talked about this last week. The Oregon State House is following Spokane's example, believe it or not. And they have approved a bill messing with our dishwashing detergent. There's going to be a dishwashing smuggling underground beginning any day now. I don't like what I'm hearing. Oh, and the Seattle man is burned playing the lighter fluid tag game. (laughs) Now, let Uh. me give you a quote from this. We started putting lighter fluid in our mouths and blowing big old clouds of fire. Then we started with the tag stuff. Then I get burned. It was over after that. (laughs) Well, it would have to be, I would think. That goes without saying. The the major step to this is to put out the flames after you set the friend on fire. If you skip that step, it changes the whole outcome of the game. The dynamic is fundamentally altered. These are not kids. These are adults. That's fantastic. And, and the uh, the person who was burned, his name is Nelson Blewett. Of course it is. All right. Uh, straight ahead, we will have uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us today. Uh, we will talk about the Craigslist, who I guess. Now, Craigslist is suing. They were getting sued by the, some attorney general somewhere about the, the hooker ads. But I guess in a little bit of chutzpah that you have to admire, Craigslist is now suing them back, which is awesome. Uh, so that coming up, and we'll uh, we'll talk about Larry King and sexing. That's not with a T. That's just sexing, kids. All right, back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Here's Led Zeppelin. Now broadcasting everywhere. At all times. To everyone. In accordance with prophecy. The Rick Emerson Show. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 and KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It is Thursday morning. Mere moments from now, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who is in uh, New York City, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, what? Sarah's mouth. I believe this is Jim Rip. Is it? Is this Jim Roop here? We'd do a little flip-flopping. Lately, it's been a little... It's been. A no little one tells me anything. Schedule I'm guests. sorry. I meant to say, coming up in mere moments, we'll be talking to Cena Radio correspondent Jim Roop. That's, of course, why would I meant to... Why would I meant anything different? Why would I, why would I say something other than that? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars and stylish man of the world, Jim Roop. Good morning to you. How are you, my friend? I bet that was the same intro you had for Casting Bomb. You just replaced my name. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's exactly what I did. It was just sort of like a uh, it was a broadcasting Mad Libs, what I just did there. <laughs> all right. Uh, insert adjective. Fantastic. Uh, all right. How's, uh, how's life in the big city? How are things, Wonderful. my friend? Wonderful. Uh, so I was quizzing Sarah about this earlier, and she didn't really. And I, I forbade her from looking at the next page to see what the answer was. So I will simply read this now. Sarah Dillon, Paramount Pictures has named who 
the star of the remake of the 1984 film Footloose. Who has been named as the star of the 19 uh, of the remake of the 1984 film Footloose? The star? The star. Like the Kevin Bacon role? Yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, I don't know. Blank will assume, speaking of Mad Libs, Blank will assume Kevin Bacon's role in the Forbidden Dance. I thought Lombardo was the Forbidden Dance. In any event, uh, the Forbidden Dance classic. Anyone? Anyone? Tim? It's not Zach Efron. No, see, everybody gets... See, that's what I said, too. Because he's that guy right now. Like, I think uh, Tom Hanks was that guy a while back, mm-hmm. and then we went through a phase where... Johnny Depp was that guy, where you just assume every role was offered to him first. All right, Jim Roop, who will be taking the Kevin Bacon role? Chase Crawford. From? You say who? Yeah. Oh, uh, he he oh. looks like the other guy. Gossip it's the Girl. guy that looks like the other guy. Yeah. The guy from Gossip they Girl. Look just, they, they look alike. Yeah. So It's the same cookie-cutter, you know, uh, person they keep them all in the same file yeah. <laughs> they, they do under that type and then they just open the file and they take out the headshots and they pick one randomly Zach Efron was the guy and he dropped out of the project in March saying he wanted to you know he's been in high school musical now how many times eight right, how, right. I mean how many how many incarnations of high school musical have there been in the past year right but he's been in every one of those. He doesn't want to do another dance-type flick. Yeah, well, I can see how if you're that guy, I mean, if you're like a Zach, Zach Efron type, I mean, you've kind of done, I was going to say you've done the hard part, but I mean, it, you know, you've, you've, you've achieved some level of, of fame and success and people know who you are, and now you just got to try to not be the guy from High School Musical the rest of your life. I mean, you know, it's difficult to feel sorry for a guy like that, but on the other hand, you get that typecasting thing going on right away, and then the next thing you know, you're like Russ Tamblin from West Side Story, who, you know, is out picking up bottles and cans somewhere to pay the rent, so that's that's no good oh, in any event. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this guy. I mean, at least with this Efron kid... Um, there was uh, a possibility he'll be doing his own dancing in it. I mean, Kevin Bacon didn't do his own dancing, uh, really, in uh, the original Footloose. Um, but I don't know about this other guy. And so if they have stand-in dancer people, is that a big controversy anymore? Is that something people don't like? Um, I don't know. I, 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 you know. I honestly don't think any remake is going to be good. I was going to say, when you, when you actually just said, now you said, I honestly think... Really, the way you want to end that sentence, Jim Roop, is you honestly don't care. Let's just be honest. You honestly don't care that much at all. Well, you know, I never liked the movie in the first place. Well, there you go. And uh, not that it's a bad movie. It's just, you know, I don't like that kind of flick. And um, if uh, if they remake something like that, it's got to be good. I mean, you know, Kevin Bacon pretty much made that role. And um, Chris Penn was in it. I mean, he was good in it. Oh, that's right. I forgot you about know? that. And what's her name? Uh, Mad, Mad, uh, uh, Sex in the City. What's her name? Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. In it. I forgot I forgot that Chris Penn was in that. Well, you know, it's, they're doing like a one-two punch on the year 1984 because they're remaking Karate Kid later this year. Oh, um, and I do believe, and this is a... Have, have, we, have we run out of topics? Yes. Have we actually done that? Yes, yes, we. You know, it's the same thing with music. You know, I, I've said years and years ago that there's got to be a finite number of note combinations, and at some point we're going to run out, and so we're going to be rehashing the same melody. And we we seem to be doing that anymore. We're either remaking songs or or we're writing songs that sound like other songs. Same thing with movies. See, hear it again. Creative anymore. I'm gonna, as Mick Jagger said, there is no future. There is only recycled past. And in a moment, I'm gonna bring this full circle, and I'm gonna tie Footloose and your observation about the. Number Number of melodies uh, that exist in the world. I'm going to bring it all together here in the end. I there is a little bit of gossip that was floating around the internet a while back, and I and, but I think it's actually now become true. It's one of those things that people kind of it, it's something the rumor mill churns out, and you think that it can't possibly come to fruition, and then it does. 
I think the Karate Kid remake, unless I am completely mistaken, will star, wait for it, Will Smith and his son. So I think Will Smith is actually going to be executive producing and starring in the Karate Kid, presumably in the Pat Morita role, and then his kid is going to be, uh, his kid is going to be uh, in the Ralph Macchio role of Daniel. So I, it's all, this is, it, it really is just, it's, it's just one big endless Jane stop this crazy treadmill kind of thing. That's run going right to be now. terrible. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. See, and the great thing about that observation, you've just saved us all a lot of time and money right now, which is bottom lining it for everybody. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, and then I guess, uh, I guess they're trying to get Phil Spector. What they want? They want twenty to life or, or something? Prosecution? Nineteen? Uh, yeah, Phil Spector. He's eligible. Well, he's mandatory sentence for his conviction is fifteen years to life. Plus, he could get another ten years with a gun enhancement. Uh, but the prosecutor yesterday filed their submission to what they recommend sentencing should be, and they want uh, 15 years plus four consecutive years added on to that with the gun enhancement. So they want 19 years. He's going to be sentenced uh, next week. When you got to figure, you know, look at that, that guy. I, how old is he? 65, 75? 60, yeah, 60, something like that. But it's like, it's like 60 something in dog years. I mean, he does not look. Well, he looks. You know, fifteen years older than yeah. he is, anyway. Yeah, he, he looks he looks bad. So I would, I mean, really, anything above ten years is pretty much a de facto life sentence at this point, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he doesn't. And it, here's the thing, and he's such a weird, reclusive Howard Hughes like uh, figure. You know, he just Phil Spector just lives in that mansion and never talks to anybody. You got to imagine, like Michael Jackson, he is one of those guys that is going to function so badly in prison because he's so clearly a control freak, you know? I mean, to put it mildly, he's obviously is just a guy who has to have every single tiny bit of minutiae in his life under control. And well, it he... should be easy for him. He'll have, like, three things. <laughs> you know, he'll have my... a cot, a toothbrush, <laughs> and the picture of that wife of his. You can arrange him any way he wants. Much less to keep an eye on. There you are. All right. So I'm going to bring it full circle here, as I promised I would, with movies, music, your thing about how uh, we're recycling all of our old ideas and melodies and the remakes and whatnot. Speaking of Footloose, the next time, and I know it'll be like 10 minutes from now because the radio still plays this song. I mean, even 25 years later, they play this probably 50 times a day. The next time you hear the song Footloose by Kenny Loggins, I don't know if you remember a band called uh, The James Gang starring, uh, starring uh, featuring Joe Walsh, who went on to be in the Eagles. Yeah. Next time you hear Footloose by Kenny Loggins, think about the song Funk 49 by The James Gang, which just has that main guitar riff, or lick, as they used to say, that just goes, wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's the same thing. And that's just flat out stolen by Kenny Loggins for the song Footloose. Okay, I'm going to get that. Now, 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 now. Yeah, the main uh, guitar riff for Funk 49 is flat out Xeroxed by Kenny Loggins and used used to write Footloose. I'm saying that right now in front of everybody. Wow. All right, there you go. So, see, there you go. Now, it's one to grow on, Jim. Thank you, sir. All right, have a fantastic day, my friend. And you. All right, there you go. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Straight ahead. Tim Riley, have you more news for the people? Indeed, I do. Excellent. That is coming up. It's a Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101. KUF. Oh. The Rick Emerson show. They attacked me like a bunch of mad wolf, and they stuck forward until I was going to die. Because they were like rabid animals. The Rick Emerson show returns. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Thursday morning on Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503 228 ladies and gentlemen. What with all the excitement? There's so much stuff we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, We are moments away from Tim Riley at the news desk. 
Later on today, we will uh, be talking to Tom Lennon and uh, Ben Grant from Reno 911. We're going to talk about, because uh, they, they are the, they're the, the story and screenplay guys, respectively, uh, behind Night at the Museum 2, Battle of the Smithsonian, um, which apparently has, like, everybody in it. So, uh, so No, it has, like, so many ridiculous cameos. And I think Tom Lennon is the guy who came up with the story for it, and I think Ben Grant wrote the screenplay. And they're both from Reno 911, and they're hilarious. So uh, we'll be talking it's to Lieutenant those guys. Lieutenant Jim Dangle. I'm sorry? It's Lieutenant Jim Dangle. <laughs> it, it is indeed. Which is... Well, i I, I got to wait, because if I'm talking about it now, then I'll... Then, then I'm just going to keep talking and talking and talking and talking. So uh, that is coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week will be here. And then uh, one final thing. We don't have time to talk about this a whole lot. But I will say that we have the Land of the Lost uh, premiere. KUFO's premiere of Land of the Lost starring Will Ferrell is coming up. And we're going to be giving away uh, your chance to win passes. And so what you do is you go to KUFO.com. And uh, right there in the middle of the page, scroll about halfway down. It's dead set in the middle of the page. You look for the Land of the Lost uh, banner. You just click on it. And you write your own 60-second Land of the Lost script. And I'll put that link up at rickemerson.com here in the next uh, in the next break. But you go to uh, KUFO.com, right in the middle of the page, you look for the Land of the Lost script, click on it, you write your own, uh, you uh, you look for the banner, rather, you write your own 60-second script, you submit it, and the five best submissions are going to win passes to the movie June 2nd, and you'll have your script performed next week uh, by the Rick Emerson Show. So the... Uh Assembled cast and crew of the Rick Emerson Radio Extravaganza will be performing your words live on the wireless for everyone to hear. So go to KUFO.com, click on the Land of the Lost banner, write your 60-second script uh, for that. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, it's 544. We're looking for sunny skies today. Highs will be in the mid-70s. This is scary. A Beaverton woman has been assaulted after a stranger jumped into her car while she was driving. She was stopped. This is in heavy traffic on TB Highway near 229th, always busy. When a guy hops into the passenger side door, of course, their doors have been locked. Most of us drive around with our doors unlocked, except those of us who drive through downtown early in the morning always lock all mine. Anyway, he hops in, slaps her, grabs her purse, dumps it out, grabs her hair, smashes her face against the steering wheel. She steps on the gas. He tries to stop her. Wouldn't work. Then he jumps out. So, the suspect is Hispanic in his 30s with tattoos on his arms, bushy eyebrows, slick black hair. Uh, this happened in heavy traffic once again at 3 p.m. Tuesday afternoon. So, somebody had to see something on TV. Wait, wait, but I mean, I, I, maybe I've missed something. Was there any sort of, was there some reason for this? Was there some? No, it, it was random. And so, was she, she was stopped? She was stopped. And he TV just highway. jumps into the car. Correct. Oh, that's freaky. Oh, that's the, that, that's, that is something that happens in L.A., and that's why everyone drives with their doors locked there. And carries a gun, Tim. Yes. Because it's the only way to keep uh, keep your freedom in these United States. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, that's the sort of story that, I mean, on the one hand, it's terrifying because there just seems to be no rhyme or reason. It is truly random. But on the other hand, like that uh, jet that just fell out of the sky in San Diego and landed on that guy's house, you almost can't worry about it because there's nothing you can do. There's no defense against crazy people, except, again, door locks and, you know, a, a gun. Mm-hmm. Jesus. So that is kind of scary. Then we have Mayor Adams, former spokesman suing the city, Wade Narakma, claims the mayor lied, claiming he left because his job was too stressful when he claims he made it clear to the mayor he was quitting because the mayor lied. Okay, this is going to be a problem. The state house has given its blessing to taking the cleaning power out of our dishwashing detergent. This means war. This bill would ban the sale of soaps with over 1.5% phosphorus. Now, this is by July 2010, so you still have time to hoard some and start hiding it, selling on the black market. Uh, 
And this happened in Spokane a few months ago. It caused a black market for dishwashing detergent smuggling from Idaho. And it could happen here. Not that we're recommending people engage in detergent crime. So apparently the deal is if you don't have phosphorus in your... Uh, because that's, it's, it's like you pointed out with the medicine cabinet here in the, in the CBS. It's, it's not just in the CBS kitchen, of course. It's no, everywhere. it's just colored candy. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is. Like, there's nothing... They're like free snacks. <laughs> not, nothing in there does anything. But they're really unlikable chalk-like free snacks. They're sort of like, um, you know, they are. If you take any of the cold medicine that's in the first aid, like they don't even. I don't. Why do they even bother to refill that thing? I mean, the only thing in the KUFO medicine cabinet that actually works at this point is the gauze, and that's just because there's no chemicals. Because it's because it's just like a sponge, basically. I mean, they'll find a way to ruin that at some point. Not CBS, of course, but the man, as he always does. Because they went through and they removed that uh, pseudoephedrine or whatever it is from all the cold remedies, which is the only thing that made it work. Yeah. Like the rest of it. Do you ever look at the, the side of cold medicine and it says, you know, active ingredient, blah, 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 blah. And then it says inactive ingredient. And it's just like starch and coloring and, you know, it's like all the, the, the glue or whatever. Whatever it is, it just holds it together because the actual medication is very, uh, it's just small. Like, it's such a small dose of medication that you wouldn't even be able to see it. Like, it'd be, it would just be invisible in your hand. So they have to encase it in this large brick of, like, uh, you know, cornstarch or something, and that's what the pill is. And so if you look at it now, basically all that's left are the inactive ingredients, and it's like, uh, what are those things, Smarties? Not the British kind that are like M&M's, but the, but the American Smarties, where it's just like, they're like really flavorless sweet tarts or something. That's more or less what the cold remedies are like at this point. And so now they're moving, not content just to uh, trifle with the goings-on inside our own bodies. They're now is screwing with my ability to clean dishes. First of all, you bastards, let me just say that I have a dishwasher at home. I don't wash dishes by hand. I don't dry dishes by hand. I don't even scrape if I don't have to. You know why? I got a pots and pans setting. A dishwasher is one of the greatest. That's what separates us uh, from uh, from the rest of the world, really, is, uh, you know, our many flavors of Hot Pockets and the microwave in which to cook them and the dishwasher that you can use to clean the dish on which you put the hot pocket from the microwave in the house that Jack built. That's what separates us from savages. So, but none of that makes any difference if they're going to give us soap that doesn't goddamn clean anything, for Just the love of God. Colored liquid. I mean, and people might think that this is, a, this is one of those trademark Rick Emerson overreactions to things. That's why I picked it. <laughs> it's because I'm a soapboxer, Tim. You'll pardon the pun. Um, but... But I mean, really, like this sounds like an overreaction until you use some of this soap, because let me tell you, my mom lives in Washington state. If you start using some of this soap that doesn't clean anything, you realize there is no point in having a dishwasher because you are going to wait for it, clean everything by hand anyway, which means that it's just a waste of space. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of money twice because you're buying soap that doesn't work. And then it's a waste of money three times because you're using water, uh, you know, for the dishwasher. That's not going to do anything. So. All right. Now, is this going to become a law? Is there anything we can do to stop 2010. this? 2010. Okay, but I mean, can we stop it? Let's start a website and have people complain. But I mean, doesn't it just have to be like voted on or something? Uh, let's see. It's already passed something. Oh, man. You know, seriously. I, it, it has passed in the House so far. Okay, so that's passed. Is it going to be a state law or is this a county law? No, it'll be state. Uh, I don't like what I mean. You know, I'm just saying... <laughs> This is a thing I, I, I'd like to hey, be on. The, a lot of people aren't going to pay attention to this. No, they're not, Tim. And I'd like to be on the record as saying that this show, we are ahead of the curve in this. We are sounding the alarm on this now. Uh, we are, we're much like Paul Revere in that way, but with, uh, but with soap. Here's Tim Riley. Hollywood comes to the coup of Harrison Ford and Brandon Fraser haven't seen walking around Vancouver. I got a photo from a listener yesterday who saw Harrison Ford in the street and snapped a photo with her cell phone and sent it to me. 
Uh, this movie is entitled The Unentitled Crowley Project. Is that the working title? I don't know. I think it's The Untitled Crowley Project. I think that that is actually the, the full name of the film. I got... Um, I suppose I can I can reveal this because it's after the fact. So uh, my uh, my good friend Siegfried, who uh, you know does a lot of work on film around here, he called me uh, maybe last week or so. It's like one in the afternoon. He's like, uh, "Rick, it's, it's Siegfried, uh, dude." And I was just wanted to like, uh, if you like, I don't know if you're like busy uh, right now, but uh, if you want to come down and do like a day's work on the on the set of Crowley, they need somebody to just be you know like uh, just kind of a gopher on the set. And uh, but there's a chance you you, you know you might might see Harrison Ford. Call me back. And by the time I called back, it was just too late. My schedule was such that I wasn't able to do it, which is unfortunate. But that's when they were filming downtown, uh, which I think they still are, actually. I think they're doing some filming by PGE Park today as well because they got, like, blocks and blocks uh, apparently just closed down up there. And I think it's because they must have film trucks uh, in that area. So it's all very exciting. I'll find this photograph of Harrison Ford walking down the street yesterday. I will see it. He didn't look bad, actually. Put on a little weight since he did Crystal Skull, uh, probably from shame eating. But um, in well, from a, his engagement to Calista Flockhart. Well, he's maybe that's maybe that's why maybe he's just hogging all the food in that house. I mean, you. Yeah, never mind. Don't you think at some point? Uh, I mean, I know that she's not really doing anything these days. She's never really in the public eye. But somebody would be. Do you think somebody would have done an investigative report where they stalk Calista Flockhart? Not stalk, but you know, follow like in a paparazzi sense, just to see if she actually buys food. I mean, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if there's actually ever been any photographs of her eating in a restaurant. Maybe on her prime. I don't think anyone cares anymore. Probably not. Does she act? Has she been in anything? Um, no, she's in that show Brothers and Sisters with Rob Lowe. Mm, it's bad. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. All right, let's do one more here. We'll get the, caught up around the corner. Uh, the paparazzi calls John Mayer a douchebag. Yeah, you act like you're cool. You act like you're cool. You act like you're cool. the hell what kind of just another day in hollywood what's going on there who's who are the people screaming at the beginning where they say you act like you're cool that's not john mayer is it no that's the paparazzi yelling at him since when did the i mean i thought they just took photographs and i thought they said like what no, was it what was it like to more... eat at a lane's last night with suzanne plachette i since when did the paparazzi start calling you a douchebag what would it not that i know not, not that i care but soon they'll be armed what is up with that all right well there you go it is the Jesus, it is the, it's just a world gone mad out there. Let's never leave the studio. You know, because in here, it's at least safe. Out there, it's just craziness. I do have to leave occasionally to walk the dogs, but I'll be back. All right. We well, should get like a long, retractable leash. And then they, can, they can just go through a small door in the wall. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Straight ahead, uh, we have more news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Later on, Tom Lennon and Ben Grant from Reno 911. And it's the Rick Emerson Show. This is the Stone Devil Pilots. It's KUFO. KUFO. Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. Pardon me. Hold on. Cough button. It's Rock 101. Hey, for for once, when I pressed the cough button and coughed, it wasn't it wasn't heard anyway in some weird echoey, hollowy uh, fashion. Wait, hold on. Looks That's fantastic. Well, you all get to hear it, but I, the gating on these microphones, I think, is sufficient. So that when I hit the cough button, it's not heard anyway. All right. And yes, I did just use the word hollowy. It's uh, 503-228-4101, uh, Just a second. I'll play some of this sound uh, from Anderson Cooper last night. And just, uh, I, I hate to keep going back to this point, but of all the nights for you, and you were, what, is it because you were, is it, did you not see Anderson Cooper because you were watching American Idol? Because that would just be the, the cruelest irony of all. It is. 
Wow, that's like a Greek punishment. And, uh, and I fell asleep before the main event. <laughs> you didn't even. Well, I didn't even see the finale. Here's what. Here's what a lame ass I am. I didn't even realize that last night was like when they crown or king or whatever it is when they when they pick the new whoever it is the new American Idol. I just tuned in because somebody's like, "Oh my God, Kiss is on!" And I was like, oh, "All right." And of course, because I am a 36 year old uh, male, I just you know, well, Kiss is on. I better watch it. Why? No, it's like, what are they going to be playing something new? Kiss is going to be unveiling a brand new magnum opus they've created. No, they're going to be playing rock and roll all night like they always do. So we'll get to some of the. Um, the sound from last night, um, because I actually did make some notes on it, because inadvertently you and I sort of split up the American Idol watching duties last night. But so I was busy watching Larry King on Anderson Cooper, which was just fantastic. I don't even know where to start with this. So so Larry King is on because he's got this new book, these memoirs called My Remarkable Journey. And let's see. Uh, I'll just start here at the at the top. So. Like a lot of these books, it just ends up being Larry King bragging about all the women he's stooped. and which is great, you know. Go, go, Larry. I guess, and he's he's been married like seven times, hasn't yes. he? You know, so it ends up being like that Geraldo book where it's like every page and a half it's like, and then I was giving it to Bette Midler fifty times a day because I'm Geraldo and I have magic genitals. So Larry King never really takes it that far. He lets Anderson Cooper kind of say a lot of the stuff for him, but Larry King just sits there, sort of cackling to himself as Anderson Cooper is recounting Larry King's sexual exploits. But then, then it just sort of takes this weird turn. I don't know what the relationship between Anderson Cooper and his mother is. Presumably none of my business, but... Uh, she sent his turkey over in a cab on Thanksgiving. Are we talking about turkey, or are we talking about something else? No, in that turkey. She, she, sent she, his... she did not wish to spend Thanksgiving with him, but sent him a turkey over in a cab. What do you mean, like this last Thanksgiving or always? The one before that. Okay, well... Well, then maybe there's a little bit of a strain on that relationship. That might explain the comments that Anderson Cooper makes at the end of this. So here is Anderson Cooper talking to Larry King. Let, let me run down some of the names and, and just you give me their immediate, immediate type. Immediate this is guests that Frank he's had. Larger than life, vastly important, and every essence of what you want in a good interview. Hillary Clinton. Smart as a whip. Funny. And incredible. Come, should come across more. Great sense of humor. Marlon Brando. <laughs> Marlon Is he the only guy you kissed on there? Yeah, he kissed me, and I, <laughs> oh, I went, okay. and I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> Brando was a piece of work. My mom dated him briefly. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a date. I think it was like a one night date. Anyway, well, I digress. He, um, he would have loved your mom. <laughs> well, I think he did. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> odd. I mean, really? Can you imagine Dan Rather talking about whoever his mom was humping? You know, whatever, however, 40 years ago or whenever that would have taken place. That's odd. You can't imagine. It's a perverse sense of humor. I mean, it's just, it's just odd. I, it's not like I'm offended. It's like my sense of journalist, journalistic ethics are violated, but you can't imagine Walter Cronkite. And then my mother had relations with Thomas Alva Edison. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it is, does reflect, I think, a shifting of the journalistic tone. Uh, let's just hear that last part again. Brando was a piece of work. My mom dated him briefly. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a date. I think it was like a one-night date. Anyway, I well, digress. He, um, he would have loved your mom. <laughs> well, I think he did. Oh my um, God. <laughs> and I was at home. It was, see, I should have called you. It was all I could do not to be like, Tim, are you watching? But I just assumed you were. Usually I would be. Uh, all right. Well, next time I will send you but a little I, bit. But I felt my journalism had a higher calling last night. <laughs> Anderson Cooper did not. I put my not. head down to the pillow. <laughs> There was no higher calling for uh, for AC three sixty. 
I did bring you though on DVD the whole episode. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so uh, it's it's. uh, Let's see. Um, Do we have? uh, Let's see. I'll do one more here. Okay. Um, I'll save. I'll save. We've got. There's just so many of these that are fantastic. I'll play one more here. This is Larry King. Uh, this is not not as sort of off-putting as the last one, and it's not as off-putting as the next one that we'll play uh, later on in the hour. But here's here's one that's sort of a middle ground. This is Larry King again on Anderson Cooper talking about encounters he's had uh, of whatever nature, and he's talking about uh, Jessica Hahn, who was at the center of the Jim Baker sex scandal. All right, page 162, you write about you're in a cab with Jessica Hahn yeah. heading back to her hotel. This is at the height of the whole Jim and uh, Tammy Faye the Baker height. scandal. And she starts getting a, a little frisky. You write, you write, she lifted her foot toward my crotch and was starting to play around. She what? Was. That's uh. when she was, I'm in, the, I'm in a cab, I'm in a limo or a cab. I'm sitting, yeah, it, was a, it had to be a limo, because uh-huh. it was a seat facing backwards. She, uh, we're going to drop her at her hotel, and I'm going to my mind. And then she starts this, and I, I you know, when, when I get something like that, it hasn't happened to me much, it doesn't uh, turn me on. I have to, no, the reason is. Did you tell her you had a roommate? I mean, what? <laughs> I have to be the pursuer. Ah, okay. It was, I, too, it was too forward for you. It was too oh, much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got to be. Gotta, it's, I'm the, uh, it's my ball game. <laughs> so to speak. Um, <laughs> I mean, what the hell why is he that? about teabagging? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the. It's my ball game. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. Um, <laughs> just, just, you know, just, no, nobody wants to think about Larry King having anything below the suspenders. <laughs> you like Maybe to think his wife that. does. You like to think it's in term- It's like in. Uh, it's like in. Uh, it's like in Terminator Four. It's just he's he just, just machine below the parts. waist. Yeah. God, I mean Larry King. I have to be the pursuer. <laughs> oh yeah. Started lifting her foot towards my crotch. I mean, who wants to hear Larry King? It was, it was the, I was sitting on the couch just going, I cannot believe what I am watching. And I wouldn't have known about it, by the way, if Kastenbaum uh, hadn't told me uh, about it. So, Jesus. All right. Well, ahead we have more. Im- improbably, that's the stuff we played isn't even, isn't even the weirdest. The weirdest one is, is still to come. So that's uh, straight ahead. Uh, also, uh, news with Tim Riley coming up in... Um, just about the six minutes here. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Whose eyeballs am I going to pick out? On Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thursday morning. Thank you for coming by. Uh, coming up around 7 o'clock today, we will have uh, Tom Lennon and Ben Grant from Reno 911. Uh, the guys behind uh, Night at the Museum uh, Battle of the Smithsonian. So that's coming up. Are you examining strands of your own hair? Yes, I was pulling some hair off of my skin. Alright. Because I am classy. <laughs> no, it's just, it was one of those things where you don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> One of those things that I see people doing when they're waiting at a bus stop, no, and it's all the people who are twitching and barking sometimes. And look at this! Look at my no, hair. I had somebody's dog like weeks ago, and I still have ah. like the dog hair on my shirt. All right, I didn't know if you were into examining it for some sort of a transmitting device that had been uh, been put there. Maybe. All right, at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Wow. In the news with Tim. Was odd. That was odd. Good morning, everybody. It is 622. We're looking at sunny skies today. How's it be in the mid-70s? There's been a gang-related shooting at Northeast 102nd and Halsey. A gunman driving a silver explorer shot one person in the shoulder. It's not life-threatening. 
The guy who allegedly stabbed the other guy in the parking lot of the Northeast Jack in the Box, he gets slapped with a $275,000 bond. Michael Thomas allegedly sliced the victim with a box cutter that required 10 stitches. Hey, bicyclist, Lloyd Center planters are thinking about turning Northeast Holiday Street into a bike pedestrian and max-only thoroughfare from the Rose Quarter to Northeast 13th. So I'm trying to think of, wait a minute, so this is, I'm trying to think of where Holiday is. Is it one of those streets that flanks the mall? Yeah, it's next to the Mac store. Mm. That street. To the, uh... And it goes all the oh, way to the Oh, oh, right, okay. No, I thought that was Multnomah. No. Is this the same street oh, no, the no. theater's on? I'm trying to think. Oh, maybe it's further down. Because the movie theater is at, fi- I know this is because, it's, because we do... I know uh, Holiday is right near Fremont. No, so, it has to be because that's the street the Max runs on. It's Max only... I, uh, okay, well, then it must be parallel to the street, because I know we, because we do, you know what it is? It actually is one street over. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we just sound like old people. No, 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 it's one street over by the Jenkins barn that's not there anymore. But there is that fruit stand, I think. All right, well, in any event, so they're going to turn that into what? They want to turn it into a bike lane? Yes. Mm-hmm. Washington County-based Tektronics, which already laid off 150 employees, has told the rest of the workforce they will be forced to take an unpaid week off next month. They already had to close down a plant in Japan. Did you hear about these four screwballs who wanted to commit jihad in the Bronx by, uh, yes, shooting? I'm not, I'm not laughing at jihad. I, I just can't. I'm not laughing at jihad, and I'm not laughing at, uh, I'm not laughing at terror, Tim, because then they win or lose. One of the two. So they buy some fake missiles from the FBI. <laughs> it's just, A, they're not that Put them bright. in the backseat of a car <laughs> outside the Jewish center. So, of course, they're all fake anyway, and they've been tracking them all along. They also plan to shoot Stinger surface-to-air guided missiles at planes at a National Guard base in Newburgh. Yeah, that, which is uh, 70 miles north of New York City. Let's, let's just be... That was just now, cl- the leader of this, whose name was uh, Ramon, I guess so, he was the top Ramon, uh, wanted, <laughs> wanted, wanted to return to Afghanistan. So why don't you go back there now? It's such a wonderful place. Is it that much different than the Bronx? I don't even know what I'm supposed to respond to at this point. Um, I just wanted to clarify. Uh, the, the the reason I was laughing is before we even got to the business, these guys are idiots, and they bought a bunch of like fake stuff that the government sold them. So that's kind of a that's kind of a go U.S. government sort of thing that they just these guys were so dense that they didn't even understand that they were being set up by the man. I'm sorry. This makes see now it just sounds even more juvenile in light of the fact that we were talking about terror suspects. It's just the word screwballs. I don't know. It's that's just one of those words. It doesn't seem like you ought to be allowed to say, but then you can. Hey, have you seen those four screwballs? It just it just sounds it sounds so unbelievable. It's like when it's like on Kimmel when they talk about uh, the word jackhole. But I mean, screwballs is even better because it actually is sort of an existing uh, it's an existing uh, comedic word. So. So Mayor Bloomberg now warns against stereotypes, emphasizing that the temple is open to people of all faiths, including, this part's the lie, a Muslim girl who sometimes prays there. Really? Yes. Is that, is that's, that, that's from Mayor Bloomberg. Is that they from, have found a Muslim girl who allegedly prays in the Jewish temple. He's making that up. That's it's like, supposed to make everyone feel better about this. Well, you know what? Somehow. He's, he's burnishing that anecdote. Uh, he's polishing that for when he gets out on the stump, when he runs for president. He goes, and it, I'm just doing Obama's voice now. And it's about the Muslim girl I met who sometimes prays in a Jewish temple. I talked to her in Akron, Ohio. And this campaign is about her mm-hmm. and you and all of the yous and hers or whatever. So, all right. Well, well, well done, Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, top Ramon. Okay. Did you like that one? Yes. Yes, I did, Tim.
Well, it's time to uh, start in some of our holiday stories. I know we have a couple of days to go, so we have to have one because next week is... No, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, uh, even though it's not the end of May. This coming Monday See? is the holiday. Right. Yes. But it's not actually the end of the month, which is the official Memorial Day, but this is the unofficial one. Anyway, who wants to go uh, swimming in a pool? Uh, me, I guess. I do. Maybe. Okay. Well, a new study finds that one in five people admit they peed in the swimming pool. Oh, maybe I would like to change my answer. And eight out of ten say they know a suspect who has done so. A suspect. Wait a minute. If only one out of five do it, how can eight out of ten? That's, that's, those... that's a, a different question. Oh, I see. Like, who does it? And then who do you know who does it? They're oh, I two see. two separate questions. So that's sort of like... Um, uh... Okay, so that that could be like if, never mind. I was going to make a comparison to something like that loose girl everybody knew in high school, where everybody knew me. There's only one girl, but then everybody knew. The pool it's I go to is not like full of urine, so much as it is strippers. <laughs> the pool you go to is full of strippers. It's yeah, it's like stripper soup there. It's like this um this place that stripper my... soup is that like some sort of unsexy perfume they sell? No, this place it sounds like my... a new comic strip in the Oregonian. <laughs> This place that my friend lives at, it's just like all of a sudden they start rolling out at like three, four o'clock in the afternoon with the big fake boobs and like gold bikinis. Uh, what are you wearing? It's called stripper soup. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of fascinating. And then they're bringing, you know, they're lugging along their children. Of course, Larry of King course. always asks her with a half a sandwich. <laughs> uh, it's my ball game, <laughs> so to speak. Um. So it's the evil cackle he does there at the end that sells that sound. By by the way, so. One in five people admit to doing... Who admits to that? Like, what kind of... who? I mean, I understand that it's an anonymous survey, probably. But... Is this a focus group? or a, I, I don't know. <laughs> and who is conducting this survey? I mean, isn't there a recession on where you have to fire people that are doing useless, pointless jobs like this? Well, this, this was commissioned by the Water Quality and Health Council, whoever they are. All right. Well, good for them. That's a... By the way, I'm going to say at this point, I've never done that. Ever, 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 ever in my life. What? I will say that definitively. We used a pool as a toilet. <laughs> because here's the thing. When you say pee in the pool, it's bad enough. I don't mean to be talking about no, pee early in the morning. Who knows like, how much control you had over your body when you were like 12? What? No, I mean, you probably did. When no, you I, it, I was toilet trained at 12. I can't speak for all of us in the room, but at 12, I knew wh- what a toilet was and what it wasn't. I Look, I'm not trying to be like, better than everybody you know, else. Clearly, I'm not. When you were little, sometimes it was a long, cold walk to the bathroom. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're not really talking about me, are we? We're talking about you now. I don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah, clearly, I'm better than no one. I'm just saying... There's certain things I figured out how to do by the time I was, I don't know, when are you toilet trained? Like three or two or something? I don't, I don't even know when that Probably happens. before that, I would imagine. But I mean, certainly before you go to school, unless you're that one kid that we all sat next to. Um, but like this, I, look, I've I've done things of which I'm not proud. But, but when you say like pee in the pool, that is revolting enough. But it almost sounds like sort of, it's like it's kind of wacky, like it's sort of whimsical. When you say what it really is, which is using a pool as a toilet, that's a thing I've never done, and I have no problem just saying right now, if you've used a pool as a toilet, there's something wrong with you. Have you ever been in a pool that had to be cleaned out because somebody used it as a toilet in a different way? No. Oh, God. No, that's wrong. Where did wrong. I go swimming? Because that happened, like... You sure you didn't go swimming in the movie Caddyshack? <laughs> no. What do you mean? Oh, someone used a, somebody used a pool in a different way? Yes. I'm just saying... For the, the, for the, I remember the, the, more the than once down? in my childhood, we had to, like, evacuate What the pool. kind of pool was this? You're sure you weren't just swimming know. in a septic tank? <laughs> Community pools. <laughs> Is that what your parents told you it was? They were the free ones. Mom, it's filled with chemicals, and there's a big churning whisk that goes through it every 30 and minutes. And all of a sudden, we'd have to get out for a half an hour, and nobody really knew why. Oh, okay. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> this is so revolting. Well, there are precautions that can be taken. 
Uh, avoid swallowing pool water. I think that would be the first one. Practice good personal hygiene. And I guess this is for adults. Wear diapers and stay out of the water if afflicted with diarrhea. <laughs> Well, are, these, is... are these posted on a sign somewhere next to a swimming pool? If not, perhaps they should be. What, next to the no lifeguard on duty? <laughs> yes, no lifeguard on duty. Uh, oh, God. It's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, there's just no other word for it. That's you just horrible. Gross? I have well, no, have... Sarah, what's gross? Because this clearly hasn't been disgusting. <laughs> this hasn't been revolting. I have friends who have children, and I understand, you know, that children like to swim, too. Sure. But um, the waterproof diapers, I don't trust them. I don't trust no. him one bit. No, not at all. No, my friends, you know, little girl had a waterproof diaper on. I'm like, I don't believe that's keeping out anything. No, because, I mean, how would that, I mean, I get that you could the put. little swimmer diaper. But things. you could put like absorbent lining or whatever in the diaper. I get that. But it's like that requires, the waterproofing of the diaper requires not only that to function flawlessly, but for the, like, the seal around their legs, you know, like for the diaper to not, for there to be no, no space between the leg and the diaper. And Why does I don't the baby have that. to be in a public pool? It doesn't, Can it Tim. be in a pool at home? Can it be in a cage somewhere? That's really what we're asking. Can it be in the trunk of your car while while we, while everyone else is trying to enjoy their day? I mean, you know, if you outfit the trunk with a toy or something. No, I'm just asking. I, I don't know. I'm just answering. I, 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 don't, I don't really know. And it seems like, don't you think they should have specialized hours for people who want to bring their yawling uh, infants uh, oh, to, like, to a like pool? The, the crying pool? Like they have crying rooms at theaters? The crying pool. <laughs> What does the crying pool sound like? Is it a band or a movie? (laughs) It's just an idea. Hello, I'm from Crying Pool. Thank you for coming to the Hawthorne Theater. Hours for the crying pool are from five to six daily, and that's enough. It sounds like that Metalocalypse or the the Metalopolis guy that we on the the the, uh, uh, like he would one of those promos would be like KUFO presents Crying Pool. They'll be rocking the house at the Roseland this Saturday. Moves and moves and moves. Crying pool. Blah. All right. Well, good God. All right. Let's. Oh, Jesus. We got to take a break. If if only for another reason to stop this diarrhea talk. Hey, everybody. Well, it's I'm the Rick. we can be topical. <laughs> Damn people do have diarrhea. They do. Oh, that's unfortunate because this guy, Pearl Jam, has that Crohn's disease thing. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an awkward segue. That was really unintentional. From swallowing like pool water. No, Crohn's disease, no, that's, uh, that's, that's Barty syndrome. Hey, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this. The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. What? Man, Sarah oh and her Dylan's. On Rock 101, KUFO. The strange world. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Hey, did you get that zombie picture I just sent you, sir? That is amazing. I'm going to put that up right Isn't now. Isn't that cool looking? That is so cool. Yeah. That guy was really nice, too. He was putting away all of his equipment. And he so, made time for us. Uh, KUFO presented ZombieCon PDX, uh, the first of many, by the way. Something funny, Tim? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> something just uh, tickling my fancy. Fancy. <laughs> Anderson, come over here and tickle my fancy. <laughs> Says Larry King. Anyway, uh, so the zombie prom was on Saturday, and Sarah went uh, in a, like a prom dress, and I was just sort of dressed as, you know, just a lame guy. Um, but we got these, uh, uh, you know, photographs taken throughout the night, and they were doing the greatest thing in the basement. They had this um, basement photo shoot set up. It wasn't the basement. It was like the super extra basement. It was like the secret, the double <laughs> secret like, probation cellar. I know. We were like four levels under the We thought that <laughs> we were just being lured down there to be killed. Uh, but they I, were doing we were these. questioning whether or not we were going to be murdered. Like find the mummified body of vanilla ice down there. But they were doing these prom photos, but they 
where you know it was a zombie problem. Anyway, so it was a paradise or enchantment under the undead sea, kind of a riff on the uh, Back to the Future thing. Anyway, so there's a photograph of Sarah and I as prom, uh, you know, couple or whatever, but like in this undersea zombie. Anyway, it's fantastic. So uh, you can put it somewhere. Yeah, I'm gonna put it on Sir All right, and then I'll put it on my website later on. Uh, we're moments away from Tim Riley at the news desk. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Mr. Skin, hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, Rick, Sarah, and Tim. Uh, doing really good. Doing real good. Um, just wanted to mention, first of all, the, the big movie hitting theaters this weekend is Terminator Salvation, the Christian Bale movie. And, you know, all the other Terminators have been R-rated. This is the first PG-13 uh, Terminator. So there's no nudity in this, but there's a couple of hot... Uh, babes in the movie. One is Moon Bloodgood. Moon Bloodgood? Yeah, believe, that's her name. And believe it or not, she was supposed to have a, a sex scene, and that was the big rumor, and then it got cut. Maybe we'll see it on the DVD, but she did do a movie called What Just Happened, a Robert De Niro movie in 08, where her character was naked, but it was a body double. Mm. It was not her. Uh, so Moon Bloodgood, no nudity yet. Now, the other girl in the movie is Bryce Dallas Howard, the other co-star. Um, she did a movie in 2005 called Manderley, and believe it or not, uh, Ron Howard's daughter, uh, Opie, uh, uh, Opie's uh, sibling, has uh, or, or daughter, has done a nude scene. It was actually pretty graphic in Manderley. It happens an hour and 41 minutes in. So uh, no nudity. This is the first Terminator. Uh, you know, remember Linda Hamilton getting naked in Terminator, Kristana Loken. Uh, this is the first... Uh, uh, PG-13 ones, you got to go elsewhere for the nudity. Now, on DVD, a real cool movie that uh, came out in theaters uh, earlier this year and now is out on DVD called My Bloody Valentine 3D. And it's, it features one of the great nude scenes I've seen in a while. Uh, the reason it's so good, number one, it's in 3D. But number two, it goes on for three full minutes. The girl's name is Betsy Rue. And uh, that is new on DVD this week. And it is available in 3D. So uh, you could check it out. But a great nude scene from Betsy Rue in My Bloody Valentine 3D. Uh, that's new today. And uh, finally, Rick, I wanted to mention that an anonymous skin scout reported to us last week that uh, he, he was working on the set of Jennifer's Body, a movie that uh, was filmed in Vancouver starring Megan Fox. She plays a uh, cheerleader turned serial killer. And he said to us that he has confirmation that she actually shot a topless hot tub scene. And I have to tell you, in the last year, the girl I've gotten the most requests for, hoping that she do a nudity, uh, that she would do nudity, is Megan Fox. And if this is true, um, this will be big uh, news. Of course, I will, uh, uh, you know, keep you abreast of the situation as soon as uh, I know more. I will let you know. But the movie will be in theaters in September, and uh, any other information I could find, uh, I will uh, let you know. Hey, wait, can I just uh, before we uh, go out here, let me just try to uh, try to throw something in, Mr. Skin style. I was uh, as you were just talking about my bloody Valentine uh, in 3D. I, uh -huh. Now, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know uh, if she's amply endowed or not. But would it be fair to say that you'll be able to see two Ds in 3D? Ah, beautiful. Ah, no, there I, you go. I, I love it. Um, that's a great one. They're, they're actually Bs, so uh, I could use that, but uh, that is genius. Uh, well, if they were bigger, I would have used that. I'm the, uh, I'm the Daniel to your Mr. Miyagi, sir. I'm just <laughs> trying my best. All right, doing the Lord's work, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, see you, Rick. There Bye. you go. That is uh, Mr. Skin keeping us abreast of the situation. All right, I love that guy. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, coming up, uh, I don't know, about uh, 15, 20 minutes from now, a little bit after 7 o'clock, Tom Lennon and Ben Grant from Reno 911. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, this is Tim Riley. <laughs>
In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 649. We'll look at sunny skies today. Highs in the mid-70s. Mayor Adams' former spokesman is suing the city. Wade Numara claims the mayor lied, claiming he left because the job was too stressful. He claims he made it clear to the mayor he was quitting due to the mayor's lies. By the way, I got uh, this email. Where did it go? I got an email from, uh, from our good friend Todd. Uh, let's see if I have this. Is it full of lies from the mayor? <laughs> um, he says, um, this says, uh, Rick, well, it wasn't lies from the mayor as such. He says, Rick, I'm doing some yard work right now. I'm listening to a show from about a year ago when Sam, this is a, via podcast, I'm listening to an old show from about a year ago when Sam Adams got elected. You guys creepily gushed over him for about an hour talking about, wait for it, how he was hot and he would... Bring great change to our fair city. In hindsight, I guess those two things are still true. It is very true. I suppose so. Here's Tim Riley. TriMet claims they fixed the broken max ticket machines. Riders complain they're sometimes forced to hop aboard without tickets since both machines after a stop are broken, only to be ticketed and fined with $115, and that just isn't fair. You know, and that sucks, by the way. It sucks whenever, especially like if you're, it's not just the max machines, it's like those parking meter machines will be out of tape or they'll be out of paper or whatever. And then, but then it's like a chain reaction. It's like if the first machine is out of tape, you walk to the second machine, which by definition is going to be overused because it's out of tape. And it's like as every machine fails, the strain on the paper supply in the remaining machines goes up exponentially, which means that soon every pa- every meter uh, machine within like three blocks is out of tape. And then you just have to take your, you know, you just have to take your chances with it. So, all right. Free money in the mail. Get this. Northwest Natural Gas customers will get a one-time refund. It'll reduce your rates by 3.4% on June 1st. So something to look forward to after paying all these property taxes just this past week. Okay, let's talk a little bit about American Idol last night. For those who stayed up to see it, they dragged out every singer who's ever had a hit, except for (laughs) Elvis. Now I know why God invented TiVo, says one critic. Among the guests, Queen Lativa, Jason Murrs. Uh, Fergie. <laughs> Jason who? Murrers. Well, th- his name Murrers. is misspelled. M-R-A-Z. Shouldn't there be an- another vowel oh, in there? Right, is there Mr. Az here? Yeah. We're looking for Mr. Oh, Az. Jason M. Raz, please. Well, Fergie was there. <laughs> Lionel Richie. Raz. Who really needs to update his look. Cindy Lapa. Wait, let, wait. And the bizarre leg-spreading <laughs> performance. She's going a million miles an hour. spreading performance? You didn't see her? Yes. No, I, she, I, she spread her legs like a truck driver playing some kind of... Uh, <laughs> yes. Things so kind of, I'm waiting to see you're going to end that sentence. Some kind of instrument with her legs exposed. <laughs> Let's get this show back in some sort of order, shall we? Would you like me to repeat? Take a break. We're just going to take a break. It isn't me. <laughs> no, of course not. Wow. All right. Hey, well, we're. I'm just relaying. <laughs> Facts. The turn of events from last night's performance. Where she it was part of the performance. Playing her instrument with her legs spread like a truck driver. I understand. I were professional broadcasters. All right, coming up, uh, Tom Lennon and Ben oh, Grant. Paint some vivid word pictures in, in the tradition of Edward R. Murrow. You're painting vivid word pictures? Yes. Uh, okay. This is just what it sounded like when he covered the Blitz in London. God. All right. Uh, so straight ahead, we'll uh, talk to the Reno 911 guys and more from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. It is the Rick Everson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland.
Carson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. You are listening to professional broadcasters at their best, bringing you entertainment flawlessly and with nary a failure in execution. It is 503. And now that we're not giggling like retards, uh, we are back. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101 is our telephone number. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll talk to Tom Lennon and Ben Garant from Reno 911. Uh, they also the guys behind uh, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, which opens, uh, I believe, this Friday, uh, featuring a cast of thousands, including, uh, I think, uh, well, I know that uh, Christopher Guest uh, is, is in this one. Uh, Ricky Gervais, it must be weird. I've been asking this. It must be strange. To, to write, uh, it, like if you're fundamentally a comic or com- you know, comedic person, to write dialogue and then you look up on the screen and there's, you know, Ricky Gervais saying something that you've written, which is got to be a little uh, surreal. Well, that's weird because they're like multi-talented too because they're both like hilarious actors, but then they're also writing all these like crazy movies at the same time. Right. Uh, so uh, we got those guys coming up here in a few. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, which will be, by the way, a great opportunity to play the rest of this Larry King sound that we haven't gotten to from Anderson Cooper. When he's not busy talking about how he was, uh, like, trying to trying to get it on with Jessica Hahn in the back of a limousine or something. All right, it's uh, 503-228-4101. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 7.03. Waiting for sunny skies today. Highs will be in the mid-70s. This is the spookiest story I've seen in quite some time. A Beaverton woman has been assaulted after a stranger jumped into her car. Now, she didn't know the guy. She stopped in heavy traffic on TV Highway near 229th. Those of you who live out there know where it is. When a guy hops into the passenger side, just because the door happens to be unlocked, I know, it's, it's, it's scary. So he slaps her, grabs her purse, dumps it out, grabs her hair, smashes her face against the steering wheel. She steps on the gas. He tries to stop her. He, she doesn't. He then jumps out. Thank goodness that's the end of that. So this suspect is Hispanic, in his 30s, with tattoos on his arms, bushy eyebrows, and slick back hair. This happened in heavy traffic at 3 o'clock Tuesday afternoon, so somebody had to see something. See, and my whole thing is, yeah, that was going to be, at 3 o'clock, you figure the traffic is more or less stopped at that point. And TV Highway is always crowded, yeah. just about any time of the day. It's clogged, so you got to figure that any number of people had to have seen it going. I'm surprised nobody had a cell phone, uh, like a, a picture or whatever, a film of it. And the creepy, I mean, there's like many dozens of creepy things about this, but also, he didn't... He dumped out her purse, but it doesn't, it, it, does it say that he actually robbed her, or did he just dump it out? Yeah, it doesn't go that far. Because it doesn't even doesn't sound like like, bur- like robbery was a motive. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to... Look, I'm not telling somebody to go burgle, but if it seems like you're going to, there's easier ways to do that. Like There are more conspicuous uh, or obvious targets, anyway, uh, you know, for some sort of theft. This just seems like a, like it's a crazy guy, and there is no defense against crazy guys. That's unnerving. So that is weird. Hollywood comes to the Couve. Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser have been seen walking around Vancouver. Imagine that. That's so weird. It is. Uh, they're filming a motion picture entitled The Untitled Crowley Project there. I don't know how much longer they're going to be there. Then get ready for the state to mess with your dishwashing detergent. Is nothing sacred anymore? No. This bill would ban the sale of soap with over 1.5% phosphorus content. This begins July 2010. So start hoarding the good stuff now. You know, we told you when this happened in Spokane that it caused a black market for dishwashing detergent. People were smuggling in from Idaho. Well, it could happen here. Time for a double Darwin watch. Here's your double Darwin watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I ate all my caps. 
scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hell. Oh, my heart just stopped. Ah, there it goes. Here's your double Darwin watch for Thursday. So uh, part of this is local, part of it is in Phoenix. So let's do the Phoenix one first. A 26-year-old Phoenix man accidentally killed himself early Sunday while explaining gun safety to two Sierra Vista residents. Samuel Banani Jr. was at an apartment when uh, on West Tacoma Street in Phoenix. Nothing good ever comes from the word Tacoma. <laughs> it's like just putting the... You know, it's like that South Park episode where they reveal that certain uh, profanities are, in fact, cursed words, and if you utter them, they just bring despair and pain to everywhere mm-hmm. they go. That's how it is with Tacoma. Well, he said guns should be kept unloaded because people could point them at their heads. <laughs> but they, is that theoretical, Tim, mm-hmm. or was there actual practical uh, knowledge demonstrated mm-hmm. there? And then demonstrated by putting his own 99-millimeter Ruger, which he believed to be unloaded, to his head and fired it. He was flown to University Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. And stupid. The investigation is ongoing. Don't ask me what, <laughs> what is left to investigate. <laughs> Hold on. There seem to be many subtle nuances to this case. We're trying to get to the bottom of it. I, I feel that there are many details still unrevealed. Good God almighty. But I have something to top that. Okay. And it comes to us in Port Angeles, Washington. It concerns Nelson Blewett. Nelson Blewett's night of drinking left him with more than just blurry memories. He has the scars to prove it. You see, Mr. Blewett spent eight hours in the emergency room at Harborview Medical Center after he caught on fire and jumped off the balcony to put out the flames. He has burns to his face, hands, chest. He might as well be bitten by a monkey, really, all because he was playing with fire. This is a new fun game that's out there. I guess it replaces charades in some circles. There's a whole, it's a lighter fluid game. First, they started by putting lighter fluid in their mouths and blowing big old clouds of fire. Are you quoting from the article? Yes. That's great. Then we started the tag stuff. Now, tag encompasses soaking a friend with lighter fluid and then setting them on fire. The most important step is to put the fire out once it ignites. Do not skip the final step. You'll ruin the game, it, and you will not be playing by the rules. The, the entire dynamic is really uh, is really undercut if you skip the douse the flames and return your friend to his unburned state. Part right. Of this. You light the cl- clothing of a friend who is it on fire. That's why they call it fire tag. Hear it. Hear it. And then you beat out the flames. <laughs> but you can't beat out the dumb, Tim. That's the big problem here. So the object of the game is for the flames to go out in a few simple pats. But on Monday night, Mr. Blewett wasn't so lucky when his friend squirted him with lighter fluid. Even though uh, he was burned and in pain, he said he waited 45 minutes before calling 911, <laughs> trying to prove that he's tough. You suppose this swelling's going to go down? No, I guess not. Oh, that's fantastic. So the fire chief says, the fact that they refer to it as lighter fluid tag, well, that tells me there might be others out there doing the same thing or considering it. Oh, I think it tells us any number of things. Uh, Mr. Blewett faces months of medical care. <laughs> Imagine how bad life must be if your name is Mr. Blewett anyway. He won't be able to continue his work at the old construction site, <laughs> which means he'll have to go without pay. I guess A I'm... hefty price for a night of playing with fire. I guess I'm not going to be able to continue my work of using nail guns and juggling shards of broken glass. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm trying to figure out the dynamics. Kids don't do this at home. This is a These thing aren't that... kids. These are adults. <laughs> no, These I'm... are adult party no. games. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, they didn't have Pictionary in, in Port Angeles. Sarah, what kind of a place is Port Angeles? Port Angeles is pretty ghetto. <laughs> I mean, it's it doesn't. I mean, it's it's small. Um, actually, that's so weird. I'm reading that Twilight book right now, and uh, some of it takes place in Port Angeles. Oh, that's right. I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Um, it's fine. It's small. It has um. Like, it's, it's a cute town on the center, but as you get a little further out, it's just a bunch of, you know, hillbillies and meth. Toothless rubes. <laughs> yes. I'm not saying that these gentlemen, of course, the one guy is skinless at this point, but well, probably not it's toothless. It's probably enough people to form a lighter fluid tag league. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the dynamic, though. And so uh, for any of you young people that might be listening, these uh, these men are not role models, clearly. But so what is the deal? So, well, the, the, the part that didn't have anything to do with the game, they took it a step further. By putting lighter fluid in their mouths and blowing big old clouds of fire. So, okay, but what, okay, let, Jesus, I got to stop here. Okay, so if you and I are in a room, Tim, and we say, hey, how should we pass these few remaining uh, uh, moments until this, uh, you know, uh, until this break is done? What should we do? I don't know. Let's play lighter fluid tag. So, do I spray with lighter fluid? That and is th- correct, yes. Oh, okay. And then light me on fire. Okay, but see. But make sure you put out the fire. So, in other words, it's not like you already have a small fire going on one of your sleeves or something, and then no. I add to it by spraying the lighter fluid at you. That is not the way the game is played. Couldn't you just douse yourself with lighter fluid? You can, but this is a team effort. I see. It's right. a lighter fluid tag, which means there's somebody has to tag you and set you on fire. Fair enough. Julian, well, Memorial Day weekend is coming up, Tim. I'll need something to do between yeah, barbecues. Pee in the pool and light your friends on fire. Advice from the news desk of CBS Radio Portland. There's your double Darwin watch uh, for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 and KUFO. It's 503-22841. Straight ahead, senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is a real pleasure to welcome to the Rick Emerson Show uh, the men behind Night at the Museum and Night at the Museum Battle of the Smithsonian, also from Reno 911. Let's uh, welcome Tom Lennon and Ben Garant to the Rick Emerson Show. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm sorry. I can't tell. Thank you very much for having us. I can't tell if that's one voice or two. You know what? That's that's. Uh, we have the same problem ourselves sometimes. <laughs> I love it. Um, you guys uh, were behind the original uh, Night at the Museum, and then, which is based on a children's book, I believe, of the same name, and now the the sequel as well. And I was trying to figure out how the uh, how the division is, is is split in terms of the screenwriting duties. It seems like one of you is sort of coming up with the framework, and the other one is, as Roger Roger, uh, Roger Waters would say, sort of putting one word after the other. So, is it one does the big idea and the other does the script? No, we we. we duties we we usually go to a bar and come up with like the big concept and we draft out an outline that's the entire structure and then we divide it up into little sections and we we both uh write it together we yeah, we're really, in separate rooms but we we write the whole thing together we have no uh roger waters but we do have two sid barrett's basically <laughs> yes <laughs> fantastic i'll expect then one of you to shave your head and begin eating a lot of pork chops any day now uh, so you were yeah we, we we load up the typewriter with dynamite every once in a while too <laughs> yep, just sit upstairs at mother's house <laughs> so having been uh, involved with both of these films now was it at at some point was there a discussion about you know whether you're going to be in front of the camera a, as well uh, or had you always just viewed this as a writing vehicle for yourselves 
Uh, yeah, the, the, us, we're in this one very briefly uh, as the Wright brothers, and it was a surprise to us. Like the director called us after they'd already been shooting for quite a while, and 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 tagged us to be in it. We didn't really plan to be in this one. Do you ever, um, when you're, you know, the people who are in this, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the, the list is massive. You got Ben Stiller and Robin Williams, Owen Wilson, uh, uh, you know, Christopher Guest. I know that, uh, you know, Ricky Gervais has, you know, has been involved. And so is it weird as a writer and as somebody who, you know, works in comedy when you look up at the screen and you see something that you have written coming out of the mouth of, let's say, Ricky Gervais? I mean, is it, does it, is it surreal even, even still? I mean, it's also a little bit daunting, too, when you're going in to write the movie and you know, oh, my God, both Nigel Tufnell from Spinal Tap. Right. And, and you know, uh, uh, Ricky Gervais from The Office and Extras, two of the greatest television shows of all time, are going to be doing the movie. But then also, you know, uh, Jonah Hill's in it, too. It's, it's fairly daunting. Um, you know, the good thing is they once in a while they throw out about half of what you write. Ricky Gervais can almost never get an entire line out completely when he's shooting at all just because he, he he laughs at himself every single scene and so it gets it seems himself up he gets halfway through a line and then starts giggling uh like a little schoolgirl. they have to cut it's really really he cracks himself up as much as he cracks everybody else up and it's it's pretty funny to watch well and reno 911 seems to follow that that template as well in that uh, it's again a basic structure or framework and within that there seems to be some improving how much of reno 911 is is improvised at any given at any given time Oh, it's 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 totally improv. We have a an outline. We know kind of what the beginning and the end of the sketch is usually, but we never write dialogue and we we never really rehearse. We just kind of talk it through with the cast and then and then improvise it. It's all the whole cast is we we pick people who are very very strong improv actors, but it's great. We just try to crack each other up on set and uh, and it it usually ends up pretty funny. And it, it seems like that's a lot of what's going on on the museum sets too. It seems like it's a bunch of very funny people trying to kind of one-up each other a little bit, and it's it's uh, it's a very kind of conducive to comedy atmosphere. We're talking to Tom Lennon and Ben Garant from Reno 911, also the men behind Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian. Do you, is it is it hard to clean up your comedy when you go uh, from the TV show to making a, a PG movie? You know, the weird thing is that, honestly, our sense of humor stays pretty much exactly the same, and I think... Uh, people who know us really well, when they watch uh, the Night of the Museum movies and see some of the stuff that the monkey's doing, and certainly some of the stuff that a lot of the stuff that Hank Azaria is doing in this movie, I think you can actually tell that it's really exactly the same sense of humor, just with a slightly less, you know, swearing. Really, is the only difference. All right, the... We had a, a sketch show a long time ago on MTV called The State, and, like, there were monkey sketches in it, and there were, like, mummy sketches in it. Like, there were very, like, people talking old-timey, Amelia Earhart talk. Like, I, our, our sensibility really doesn't change. We just, we just, you know, can't curse as much when we're in a big family movie. And somebody told me that, uh, that the, the new Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, is actually the first Sort of, you know, the commer- first commercial film, the first major studio film to be shot at the Smithsonian to any extent. Is that is that true that it's the first movie to be done there? Yes, that that is true. Yeah. Um, well, I guess you know they have a uh, kind of you break it, you bought it policy, <laughs> uh, which of course is a little scary when you're shooting there because there's things in the Smithsonian that are worth you know billions of dollars. So at that point, they just uh, they just come and they take your they take your your bone marrow. In your wildest imaginings, did you ever? 
anticipate, uh, you know, when you were either growing up or kind of coming up in the business that one day you would actually uh, write a film that is going to be shot at the Smithsonian? I mean, what was the most you, you, you guys hoped for when you were just getting into the business? What was the, the brass ring to you at that point? I mean, just, uh, I was, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was hoping that I would only have to busboy during the summers, not all year <laughs> long. Um, although I was, you know, when we were doing our sketch show, I was being getting very good at being a busboy. I could hold six, eight, sometimes ten plates on my arm if I needed to. Well, we all have to have specialized skills, my friend. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something to fall back on, my friend. Mm-hmm. The uh, the movie is uh, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian. Tom Lennon, Van Grant can, of course, and also be seen in Reno 911. Uh, if, I, I, if I don't ask this, I'm going to be, I don't know, run, run out of town on a rail or a thing like a rail. Uh, is there going to be another Reno 911 movie at some point? I don't know. There, there's talk of it. Like, you know, the first one did really well on DVD, but we made a rated R movie for 14-year-olds, which is maybe not the <laughs> smartest thing in the world. Uh, but there, there's, we're also talking about using the same cast and the same template, but doing a movie with different characters, kind of the, the like, uh, waiting for Guffman best in show style. That, that I think we might do before we do another actual Reno movie. By the way, I can just, I can already tell that that statement about making a rated R movie for 14-year-olds is going to be excerpted, and that's going to be played in front of Congress at some point when an investigation happens. It'll be right, right by the cigarette testimony where they talk about marketing to fetuses. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friends. Best of uh, luck and best of continued success with everything. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. There you go. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Lennon and uh, Ben Garant from Reno 911 and the men behind the new movie Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian. Well, that was cool. That was so cool. That was outstanding. All right. Dude, I was such a big fan of the state and to hear both of them talking. Uh, that is the coolest thing. And you know, there's a million questions actually that I that I wanted to ask those guys that we because they're they're under the guns. You can tell they're this is one of those where they're making the final oh, yeah. push for the film because it opens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I've always wanted to know, and, and maybe the answer's out there somewhere, um, is that I know with Reno nine one one the deal is that they had originally been contracted to do something else altogether. Uh, they were supposed to be doing a wholly separate show. And at the last moment, I think literally with like a week or something to go, uh, the financing fell apart or the studio pulled the plug or something. And the pilot they had been working on got canned like before it even aired. And the network came in like, look, uh, you got like half your budget left. You got like three days. Come up with something else. And that's how they came up with Reno 911. That's cool. Because the original pilot, just the, pilot, the plug got pulled on it. So. All right. It is 503-228-4101. Uh, Sarah, what are, we, uh, what are we doing here? We're we, going uh, to listen to a little Green Day, Rick Emerson. All right. And we got Steve Castabound from CNN Radio in New York is coming up. Here's the thing about Steve. He may, I guess he can hear us uh, if he's on hold. Are we going to do this now with Steve? Because I've, uh, I've got the Larry King stuff that I know he'll want to hear. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From CNN Radio in New York City, Mr. Steve Castabound. Good morning to you. Good morning. How you doing? I am. Uh, I am fantastic. It's a jam-packed, action-filled day here at the Rick Emerson Studios. And it's jam-packed, action-filled here in New York with foiled bomb plots. Have you been hearing about that? So, is these, these are the guys where who don't seem terribly bright. I mean, evil, but kind of dumb evil. Uh, where they bought a bunch of uh, fake explosives that were sold to them by the government, who were kind of tracking them all along. Basically, there was uh, an FBI informant who got wind of the fact that these guys were uh, talking about some not-so-nice stuff, and the FBI said, you know, stick with them. And they learned about this group of four guys uh, a little bit less than a year ago, and, and last night, apparently, they put three, what they thought were three 37-pound bombs into two cars, parked them out of, outside some uh, Jewish uh, houses of worship in the Bronx, 
And uh, minutes after that, they were arrested. They were surrounded and arrested. It turned out that the bombs they had were actually manufactured by the FBI, and they were fakes. It's so easy to be cynical and jaded about the government or, you know, to sort of become reflexively, I don't know, negative, uh, you know, about the way that our tax dollars are sometimes used. But this is a story where when that happens, you kind of do like a little like, go USA. I mean, the the idea that the, the, the man was sort of tracking them all along and was basically just selling them stuff made out of cheese whiz. Uh, you know, that's sort of gratifying. That does satisfy some deep need within the American psyche, I think. I think so. You know what's interesting about this case, though? Uh, they, did, they have no ties to any overseas terrorist organizations. There are four men who live in a town about an hour north of the city. Uh, they're ex-cons, and apparently some of them, if not all of them, uh, met while in prison. And uh, this is sort of a homegrown thing. Well, this is like, I mean, here in the Northwest, we get these idiots all the time that are, you know, they're, and the separatists of one, one form or another. Actually, it's usually just one form. But it, they always say things like, I'm the leader of a vast organization that has decided to stand up to the tyranny of this non-representative government. And it's always like, it's like three guys who are standing outside like a flapjack house in Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, but, you know, uh, always posturing as though they're, you know, they're representing some huge, massive underground movement. And it's just like some toothless rube who lives in a, in a shack somewhere. So it's good to see that those things are, you know, that's not just here in the Northwest. Occasionally, it seems as though we have a monopoly on people like that. You know what's interesting about this? Uh, usually uh, in the past, uh, the arrests are made before the attempts to carry out a plot ha- have taken place. So there's always room for skepticism. Oh, who knows if they really would have carried it out. But this time, they waited and, and actually gave them what, what were fake uh, explosives and let them put them in place. Uh, allegedly, before they, the arrests were made. They should have had Ashton Kutcher come out at the last moment. You know, it was sort of like an Alan Funt kind of a thing, where they just, like, you know, just to oh, to have seen their faces when it was revealed to them that the government actually sold them a bunch of crap that doesn't work. Hey, Dude, it was crazy. They, they literally took uh, uh, an 18-wheeler, uh, and after the guys, you know, went down the, the, the block, they, they drove this 18-wheeler across the street, so... In, you know, they didn't say police on it. It was an ordinary-looking truck, but it sort of blocked the intersection so the truck couldn't get out. And then uh, the, uh, the, the SUV was literally swarmed by all these emergency services, uh, officers and FBI, and they broke the windows. And supposedly the four guys in the truck, like, just didn't move at all, were completely frozen <laughs> and didn't put up uh, any struggle and just sort of were in total shock. Sometimes you want them to struggle, though. You want them to struggle just enough that they get a good beating. I mean, that's uh, just speaking for myself there. Hey, uh, real real quickly, I, I'm going to play you uh, one thing here before we go, and this is because you... We saw this photograph of you that was taken with Larry King because you uh, had uh, you you would you'd run into him or you'd met him the other day or you I don't know if you'd met him before, but he's out there on you know pushing these uh, memoirs that he's written. It's called My Remarkable Journey or My Incredible Journey or the Journey of Natty Gann or something. But it's Larry King kind of talking about his career as a broadcaster and summing up his life. Did you see him with Anderson Cooper last night? I missed it last night because I had an event to go to. Please play Dude, me a clip. It was awesome. It was so unbelievably great. Um, so I'm going to play you, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Sarah, should I play the one where he talks about his crotch and Jennifer Hahn, or the one that ends with Anderson Cooper saying those strange things about his mom? <laughs> I, I don't know. I like the Anderson. I All think right. we have time for both of them. Okay, but we can't surprise. Here's, I'll, play, I'll play you this one first. This is uh, Anderson Cooper interviewing Larry King last night. And he asks Larry King to describe 
uh, sort of, you know, give his initial thoughts about certain guests he's had over the years. And then it ends with Anderson Cooper just making this weird dovetail into, like, clearly maternal issues of some kind. So uh, here's that soundbite. Let, let me run down some of the names and, and just you give me their immediate, immediate, type. immediate response. Frank Sinatra. Larger than life, vastly important, and every essence of what you want in a good interview. Hillary Clinton. Smart as a whip. Funny. An incredible, come, should come across more. Great sense of humor. Marlon Brando? <laughs> Marlon. Is he the only guy you kissed on there? Yeah, he kissed me and I, <laughs> oh, I went with okay. him. And I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> Brando was a piece of work. My mom dated him briefly. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a date. I think it was like a one night date. Anyway, I well, digress. He, um, he would have loved your mom. <laughs> well, I think he did. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's the sort of thing one doesn't really anticipate hearing. Gloria Vanderbilt. Yes, wow. yes, indeed. And then this is the second soundbite. This is uh, Anderson Cooper asking Larry King about Jessica Hahn, who was the woman at the center of the Jim Baker sex scandal uh, some time back. All right, here we go. All right, page 162. You write about you're in a cab with Jessica Hahn yeah. heading back to her hotel. This is at the height of the whole Jim and uh, Tammy Faye the Baker height. scandal. And she starts getting a, a little frisky. You write. frisky. You write. She lifted her foot toward my crotch and was starting to play around. She what? was. That's what she was. I'm in, the, I'm in a cab, a limo or a cab. I'm sitting here. Yeah, it was a, had to be a limo because uh-huh. there was a seat facing backwards. She, uh, we're going to drop her at her hotel and I'm going to my mind. And then she starts this. And I, I, you know, when, when I get something like that, it hasn't happened to me much. It doesn't uh, turn me on. I have to, no, the reason is. Did you tell her you had a roommate? I mean, what? <laughs> I have to be the pursuer. Ah, okay. So it, was too, it was too forward for you. It was too oh, much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got to be. Gotta, it's, I'm the, uh, it's my ball game. <laughs> so to speak. Um. So there's that. So I really would strongly encourage you to find a, a copy of last night's show and watch it front to back. It's awesome. He is really into baseball. When he came into the radio booth here, he was doing a promotion for the book on, on various uh, radio stations across the country, and they utilized uh, the, the booth here. And it, it suddenly went back, flashback to 1950s Brooklyn. He and I were just reminiscing about Brooklyn because, you know, I'm a lifelong Brooklynite, and that's where he's from. And we started talking about life in Brooklyn, and there's like 40 years or more uh, difference between the two of us. But all that time disappeared, and we started talking about what bay we went to in the summers on Brighton Beach and which, which Kanish guy you went to on the beach. It is the uni- Kanish is the universal language, Steve. Yep. All right. uh, my friend, have a fantastic day. We will talk to you at some point in the very near future. Have a great day, sir. Take care. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. This is Green Day from 21st Century Breakdown. This is Know Your Enemy. It's the Rick Emerson Show. News with Tim Riley next. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Our phone lines are open. <laughs> Caller 10 gets my seed. The Rick Emerson Show returns. You know, that that never makes any more sense no matter how many times we play it. It's 503-228-4101. It is The Rick Emerson Show. Don't forget, uh, coming up at some point before the end of today's show, we will have a copy of Max Fleischer's Superman 1941-1942, a two-disc collection on DVD. Remastered from original film elements from the Warner Brothers vault, Max Fleischer's Superman 1941-1942, two-disc collection is the ultimate Superman collection on DVD. That is coming up, ladies and gentlemen. We'll also tell you how you can win tickets to see uh, Land of the Lost, by the way, the KUFO premiere, Land of the Lost. You can go to rickemerson.com right now. i got a little, uh, a little bit of detail about that. we got that coming up as well. Uh, the other 
In- incredibly awkward Larry King cuts to get to, plus uh, Kelly Clark from uh, Willamette Week. This at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. 7.38, good morning. We're looking for sunny skies today, and it's going to be beautiful all the way through the holiday weekend. Great for your weenie roast. High temperatures in the mid-70s today. Or if you're going to be playing lighter fluid tag. Lighter fluid tag, too. That guy who allegedly stabbed the other guy in the parking lot of Jack in the Box in Northeast gets slapped with a $275,000 bond. He also flipped off the judge. <laughs> yes, oh, Michael. that's a real class act. <laughs> well, he lives on 82nd and has a criminal record. Enough so. <laughs> uh, Michael it's... Thomas allegedly sliced the victim with a box cutter, which required 10 stitches. Then there was a gang-related shooting in Northeast at 102nd and Halsey. The gunman uh, was driving a Silver Explorer, shot one person in the shoulder. The wound is not life-threatening. People are getting used to this type of thing. Washington County-based Tektronix, which already laid off 150 employees, has told the rest of the workforce, you have to take an unpaid week off next month. It's not really a week off if it's unpaid. I mean, a week off sort of implies, doesn't a week off sound like something enjoyable or fun? Mm-hmm. Kind of implies vacation. This isn't really that. This is a, sort of a, a little bit of a, you're going to be fired for a week, then you'll come back, and then you'll be fired again for another week later on. It's bad. It's the newest thing. Uh, then that tacky giant rose is on top of the uh, building on the waterfront. They, they plugged it in Wednesday night. It says it's a welcome glimmer and an otherwise <laughs> dull year of fundraising. Yeah, is is that what it takes? <laughs> yes, Tim. A fluorescent rose to brighten our lives. That's going to turn everything around, Tim. A fluorescent rose to brighten our lives. That's a beautiful tagline. Doesn't it seem like that's? Doesn't it seem like that's something we'd be saying about a departed, uh, like vaudeville star, or maybe it, is it like some sort of an entertainer from the '60s who's recently passed away after a, mm-hmm. you know a dramatic struggle with something or other? She was a fluorescent rose that brightened our lives. That rose is hideous, by the way. I'm gonna be. I mean, I haven't seen it. I must drive by it on my way. No, it's awful. It's awful, and I and I think illegal. But you know, nobody really nobody really seems to care. So they have to get corners here and there, and what's a washer or two missing from the rides? Nobody's going to miss that. Man, uh, so there's another, uh, uh, another, uh, uh, you know, sort of setup happening for the Rose Festival. There's the guys rolling the when trucks in. When is the in. Rose Festival? It's this weekend. No, no, next weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Next, not the, In other words, not the day after tomorrow, but it is a week the from day the day after tomorrow. Tomorrows. Yeah, so it's like 28th, 29th, whatever it is. Um, but I drove by uh, the park, and there's those guys in those fantastic trucks that are out there just bolting everything together and swaying ever so slightly in place when they're trying to stand still. So have fun with that. Here's Tim Riley. So the winner of American Idol is Chris Allen. He's from Arkansas. I think that's what kind of drew me to, this, to the competition now is that, uh, you know, for me, I was able to play instruments and I was able to rearrange songs and, and make them mine. And I think that uh, that's, that's part of the reason that I'm here. Is this the pretty boy with the black spiky hair? You see the guy that sang with Kiss? No, 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 no. This is the other guy. This is the down-home fella who was singing I Gotta Get Me a Girl. <laughs> really? Yeah, something. You sang with uh, Keith Urban last night. You're, you're thinking of I'm going to get me a girl? Yeah. No, I'm going to kiss me a girl or something oh, like that. Okay. I, uh, I'm going to get me some sex. That's the name of this song. Name of the song is I Gotta Go Hump Me Something. Uh, won't you all sing along at home? Thank you so much. The, so... This is the weirdest thing because because Tim and I are not typically uh, American Idol viewers. And by typically, I mean I'm never an American Idol viewer. No, the only music show I've ever watched, like reality show, is Storms. Is I watched Rockstar Sto- Supernova. We watched Storm and Rockstar Supernova, and I watched the original Making the Band some years mm-hmm. back. Um, but so I started getting these text messages last night, and I was busy. Wa- I was watching Larry King 
uh, say incredibly awkward, hilarious things to Anderson Cooper, who would then respond by saying, I, my mother never loved me. And, and then they would take a commercial break. But then I started getting text messages like these. This one, 918. Kisses, all caps, kisses on American Idol now. Uh, let's see, then I get uh, this one. This is somebody else, 924. Boy, would you hate what I just saw on American Idol, which at that point I already knew was about Kiss. And I emailed back because as soon as I got the thing about Amer- Kiss being on American Idol, which seems inevitable, like it just it didn't surprise me at all. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm kind of surprised that it hadn't happened before because they're just such relentless marketers. Um, and so I checked it and I I turned on just as they went to break. And it was like Ryan Seacrest going, well, back after this. And I was, you know, and so I'd missed it. And I stuck around hoping that Kiss would come back and do like an like an encore performance. And it wasn't, and, and, and uh, you know, and, and so I, I texted back and I said, no, I missed it. And this is Joni. She responds. She says, it was effing righteous and also awful, but also badass, but mostly sad. So they, they kind of look like overstuffed clowns. I, I don't know how else to describe them. <laughs> sort of like a force fed bozo. Mm-hmm. Like if you were trying to. Like if you were to take one of the rings, you know, like those giant punching bag clowns that have the, the sand in the feet, <laughs> yes. and you punch them and they go back and forth. That's what they look like. We're busy uh, putting a funnel into Paul's mouth, and eventually we'll be able to use him for pate. Hold on a second; it's time for more grain. That's a pretty good gene. What? That it, wasn't bad. It's all just about whispering. That's the whole thing with gene. You put the voice in the back of your uh, in the back of your mouth, and then you whisper like this, and you talk about uh, you'll need to go online and give me twenty nine dollars for no particular reason. The uh, so. I don't even know where to, where to go with this. So I tuned in, and I missed it. But the weird thing is is that so unbeknownst to me, so, Tim, you were home watching American Idol, and you watched it from 9 to about 9.35, when I guess you just were no longer able to stave off the arms of Morpheus, and you mm-hmm. fell asleep. And it was right at that time that I'm like, OMG, Kisses on American Idol. I got to tune in. And so I did it, and I missed it. But then I did get to see. I made a couple notes to myself here. Let's see. Note number one, Boy Rod Stewart looks bad. And then I just wrote, this is emphasis to myself, bad, 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 bad. And the thing is, you know... He looks like a (laughs) cornstalk. Yes, he does. I mean, he just, he's all desiccated. He just, he looks like there's no fluid left in his body at all. Like, everything in his body scrapes against everything else when he moves, sings, talks, anything. And say what you want about it just being a karaoke contest or just whatever, but a lot of people in there can really sing. I mean... I don't know that that's really a talent, since it's, it seems to be a thing you're kind of kind of born with. But you know, but but they have good voices. Rod Stewart had a good voice, not anymore. And he comes out singing, of course, Maggie May. No. Yeah, which I mean, fine, you know, whatever. What I mean, what I, is, I mean, if he was waking up Maggie right now, she'd be in a nursing home. <laughs> Maggie, Maggie. Rod Stewart is. Oh, get the different clear. This was a hideously unattractive man. <laughs> He, he always there, was. Yeah, he was always nothing, nothing appealing about him. The only thing he ever had going, well, two things. One, he was in a band, uh, and he had blonde, spiky hair. I mean, he was sort of the original Dane Cook in that way. No talent, great hair. And so, therefore, but the hair was enough. The hair was the bright, shiny object with Rod Stewart. And I know that I'm, like, tromping all over, like, your sacred cow if you're, like, a you know a big Rod Stewart fan. And that, you know what? That's just going to have to be okay. And even if it's not okay, it's the way it is. So, oh, it you is. know. It's- it's it's the, here's the thing about Rod Stewart. Apart from Maggie May, which I like as a song, I don't really care for the way he sings it. But Maggie May's a great song. I can't really think of anything else by Rod Stewart that I like. I mean, I remember when I went through this. All like, I keep thinking reason is, to believe was the flip side of Maggie May. I remember that. And I remember going through about two weeks when I was a teenage boy, and I thought Hot Legs was a good song. And but really, I think that just lasted. Uh, I mean, long enough for me to kind of. I got burned out at once, and then I realized that I didn't really even like that song very much. 
So he comes out and compared to some of the contestants uh, on American Idol, his voice is just, I mean, I know he's like a thousand years old, but his voice is just not held up very well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he comes out and he immediately starts rasping out the whole like, Wake up, hey! and I, at that point, I kind of turned down the volume really low just so I could, you know, have it on the background while I answered emails so I could, you know, see when they were going to something else. I just didn't want to hear it anymore. So reason to believe is by Rod Stewart. I'm sorry. Well, which reason to believe are we talking about? A reason to believe. If I listen long <laughs> enough to you, I find a way. That reason to believe. Oh, At least that that's one. what it sounded back then. Oh. That is exactly. Oh, you, you asked oh, me my rendition of the song. No, that's the definitive version right there, Tim. That's. Uh, I would say. Uh, I would say. Uh, I would say that's what made it a standard. But but here's the weird thing. So the, the the way they do it on American Idol is, as I understand it, is that they will uh, the contestants will sing some song by a given performer, then the performer comes out and they do a second song. So it's like a double dose of everybody. Like so, Meatloaf. I think when Meatloaf was on there, they like a little bit of Paradise by the Dashboard Light, and then Meatloaf himself came out and he sang like two out of three in bad or whatever. So Rod Stewart, the, we're jumping ahead here, but the second half is Rod Stewart comes out and he sing, he sings Maggie May in that same voice. Um, which sounds as though his vocal cords are made out of dried wheat. Uh, you know what I mean? Where it's just, and then they're sort of crumbling away into nothing. <laughs> and you wonder at a certain point, you wonder at a certain point if he's drunk from the wrong grail and he's just aging in front of you at like, like exponential speed. Um, but the first song, Sarah, the, yes. the first Rod Stewart song they sang was what? Here's a hint. We talked about it for no readily apparent reason like 50 times in the last two weeks. Do you think I'm sexy? It was Do You Think I'm Sexy? That is the worst song ever. It's the worst, creepiest, whitest, sleaziest no, he's all, like, song. Gross and wrinkly and like, was he like gyrating and stuff? Uh, well, it was. But see, he didn't do that when it was all of the contestants and they're marching in this weird circle and singing a song about doing blow at Studio 54. It's like people I mean, who, it, who sing Who Let the Dogs Out and still think it's cool. Seriously. So uh, let's see what other what other notes that I make to myself here. Yeah, do you think I'm sexy? Oh, and then and then uh, one of the other guys. Here's a guy that I really want to like and I just can't. He seems like a good guy, but boy, do I hate Santana in his music. I mean, he it's, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He seems every interview I've seen it seems like really together guy, very mellow, very uh, you would grounded. Think that he'd be sick and tired of doing the same song after forty something years, and he isn't. Well, neither was Rod Stewart, apparently. Well, that is true. I mean, uh, I mean, he just came out and just you know, and, and Rod Stewart, who just sort of looked like a Hall of Presidents version of himself, but there's Santana who is playing that. The goddamn smooth song, the thing that he did with Rob Thomas from Matchbox Twenty, which you know everybody—that's a song that nobody that needs on to every hear. Radio station, like all the time for you know, summer. And you know what's from that same era that nobody needs to hear ever again is Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls and Sugar Ray Fly and Sugar Ray Fly. But so Santana comes out, and I made this note to myself about Santana. Um, I have no reason for hating Carlos Santana, but I do. Is there something wrong with me or something wrong with him? Uh, and here's the two things about that. One, everybody out there who thinks Santana's really great, like if you have fond memories of listening to Oyo Como Va, go back and listen to, you know, like, oh, no, Abraxas is a really quintessential piece. Go back and listen to a Santana record from, you know, like 25, 30 years ago and do it without ingesting any sort of chemical beforehand. You find out like, everything you thought was really, really interesting, not so interesting. Uh, also, final note about Santana, and I can't believe him. This is like the most time anybody has spent talking about that guy. Uh, since that song came out, he has, and this is a thing for music nerds only, like Eric Clapton, he has a really fantastic and definitive guitar tone that he uses. 
I just wish it was used inside better songs and by someone else and not by him or in those recordings. Okay. Shall we uh, get caught up here? Are we uh, we overdue for a break? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Do you right. like some uh, uh, bumper music of these guys singing? Tim, can you you don't want to take us out Rod Stewart style again? <laughs> <laughs> we'll take you out uh, Queen style with uh, both Lambert and Alan here. It's impressive they got Freddie Mercury there. Yes, it is. We should turn this off. I don't want to hear anything. That was a bad idea. I, Are they all singing seconds. together and swaying? I, I don't know. This is part of it that I was fortunate enough to miss. You're not the champions. You all lost except for one. That's a really, I mean, yeah, it's just, a, it's a fundamentally, it's a factually incorrect statement. That is a flawed premise from which to work. All right, well, there you go. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Show straight ahead. Of Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. More from Tim Riley. Uh, oh, and the rest of these unbelievably awkward Larry King sound bites. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Thursday morning. It's 503-228-4101. In a moment, I think uh, Cameron apparently has a horrifying lighter fluid tag story. Well, who doesn't? We'll uh, have to get them, uh, uh, some calls in this uh, hour as well. because We've got so much. I've still got to do these, uh, these Larry King cuts. I think we have a little more sound from. We never. Here's the thing: is we never finished the, the rundown of whoever was on American Idol last night. Apart from Kiss, though, I think as soon as Tim got to Cindy Lauper spreading her legs like a truck driver and playing her instrument like they do, I think it all just sort of fell apart at that point. I think there were few remaining threads that were bonding the show to itself, just sort of disintegrated. Anyway, um, Steve Martin was there. He, I, I did catch that actually because he was in the last twenty-five minutes. He was there. Steve Martin was at the American Idol show. He was there playing a banjo. Here's the weird thing about that too: what is, is that wrong with our world? I, I honestly don't know, and I only saw a little bit of it, and it was because he's a very accomplished banjo player, which sounds like a weird thing. But I mean, he's you know because that that was a part of his stand-up act for the longest time was doing banjo. Um, was doing banjo playing. Um, so he was there standing right next to a girl who looked exactly like Heather Graham as Roller Girl in Boogie Nights, which kept, which was weirding me out because, of course, he dated Heather Graham uh, at that period of, I, I think, at that period of uh, of his career. Or maybe I'm confusing that with, with the Bowfinger thing where she was standing in for Anne Heche, who he dated. And it was all very confusing. So, but it did, but you're right, it, was, it, it just became very surreal at a certain point. Because I knew Kiss had been on, looking like overfed clowns, apparently. Here's the thing. And Susan Reynolds just sent me an email. And she's, you know, and she's a, an unapologetic, uh, you know, uh, American Idol fan. And she says, a couple notes. American Idol. Kiss should stop with the makeup and the exposed chests. For the love of God. She said, plus, at this point, Gene should keep the tongue in his mouth. She notes uh, there were cool guest stars, uh, aside from the aforementioned Kiss, Queen Latifah, Carlos Santana, Rod Stewart, uh, Fergie, then the Black Eyed Peas, Keith Urban, um, and so forth. Anyway. I don't even know what we were talking about. Uh, Tim Riley, what headlines are we tracking for the people on this Thursday? Well, uh, Adam Lambert did get to sing with Kiss. And Chris Allen is the new idol. 
It's not too early for holiday barbecue tips, and it looks like we have plenty of blue skies and bright sunshine days all the way through the holiday weekend. Even today, Tim Riley? Even today. Blue skies will be seventies. Be looking at me. Nothing but blue skies will I see. From now on. Okay. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Hello, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Nice to be back. Uh, what will we uh, be discussing today? I'm sure it's not going to be anything creepy or off-putting. <laughs> no, it's just pretty much about getting drunk and having sex with people in animal costumes. Excellent. Gather the children around the radio, won't you? Uh, well, speaking of that, we'll just segue right and into she has, this. And she has um, some photos for us to look at. That's great. Is that I your new uh, summer promo at Willamette Week? <laughs> Why, yes, it is. We've, well, actually, we've got puppets and visual animal aids. It's uh, it's niche marketing, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> when you think of animals and sex, think It does of seem like week. summertime wouldn't be like furry time. It seems like it'd be a little warm. You know, every day is furry day. Sarah, Moving on. Really? Uh, let me just get these final two Larry King sound bites done. And really, it's much less of a strange segue than you might imagine, given the untoward nature of many of these observations that he was making while he was on Anderson Cooper last night. Not on Anderson Cooper, but you know what I mean. Uh, so Anderson Cooper is there talking to Larry King, who's got his like 15th book of memoirs out called My Remarkable Journey. And he, at this point in the interview, he has already talked about being in the back of a limo when Jessica Hahn is, quote, using her foot on his crotch. Um, which he found not he found to be not a turn on because I must be the pursuer. It's my ball game. Uh, Literally. What is the what is the other cut that we played from Larry King? Oh, it was the Brando thing where Anderson Cooper talks about his mom humping it out with Marlon Brando for one many splendid evening some time ago. So these are the uh, the remaining cuts. This is when Anderson Cooper talks to talks to Larry King about uh, something else he references in the book, some other series of conquests. And you get the feeling that the book is just a stitched together you know, set of passages of Larry King talking about all of the, the women that he's he like, managed hey, to, I used to get, laid. get it on. Me. I was, when I was a young man of 65. Who would have sex with him? Well, who would have sex with him when he was 65 is the question. I've got to look at younger pictures of him. I, I need here, to see this. Here's the answer to the question. Okay, page 176. You write that during the O.J. Simpson trial, you dated a jury consultant for the defense team and a publicist for the prosecution. Those were the wildest days <laughs> because I was the most popular guy at the network. Get this message in. Get her. Get him. Get her. Get him. Get her. And some days, and they're both And nice you got days. her and her. Yeah. And, Joe, you, and you write that they didn't even know about each other. Never knew. Well, what was I going to say? Oh, by the way, I got a date tonight with you. <laughs> I mean, and I think, by the way, the, judging from the way they cut away from Larry King at that moment to show file footage of the O.J. Simpson trial, and if you listen to the soundbite, I've sort of chopped that part out just to use. And listen you, to it obsessively. <laughs> if you, yes. If you listen to it, I think he slipped and said the name of one of the women. Because at the end, when he says, what am I going to say? i, I got to leave. I have a date with... And the audio drops out really abruptly. And if you're watching the screen, they cut away at that moment to, like, stock footage of O.J. just sitting at the table looking worried. So I think that he must have slipped and said the name of one of the one of the women. And they, they decided they didn't, you know, want it, want it publicized. All right, so here's the last one. I've saved this one because we are CBS employees here, and proudly so. I decided to share this with everybody... Uh, if I were to ask you right now, what CBS employee do you suppose Larry King attempted to have sex with? Les Moonves. <laughs> yes, you got it in one. But apart from that, uh, Tim. And, and, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to guess twice. Oh. Sorry, Tim. That's okay. We all would have arrived at the same conclusion, I think. So here is Anderson Cooper asking Larry King about his attempts to have biblical relations with... Uh, Katie Kirk. You write about going out with Katie Kirk a couple of years ago in Washington. And you say, and I quote, page 127, she invited me back to her apartment. I remember thinking, this could be good. This could be good. This could be good. We had How'd that work out? Wonderful time. 
worked out terribly <laughs> because she had a roommate. And I think the roommate was Wendy Walker, who oh, is really? now my executive producer. Uh -huh. When we got to the door, and I like Katie, we, we've been friends over the years, and she was really pretty, still is. And we get to the door, and she just turned around and said, kiss me on the cheek, I think. And I said, well, well, can I come in? Well, I have a roommate. <laughs> Wendy could have. She wasn't there that night. <laughs> <laughs> History could have been different. Um, <laughs> also, as he's discussing, as he's discussing this, when he gets the part about if Wendy hadn't been there that night, and he does, he does those eyebrows, which I can only describe as the va 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 voom eyebrows. <laughs> but the idea of just well, and he said a few years ago, Katie Couric makes like billions of dollars a year, <laughs> and she has a roommate. I'm sorry, I have. Uh, <laughs> I'm living with a leper. I, it doesn't make any it's sense. It's all very awkward. Well, and like, why, she's very thrifty. Why would why would she be on a date with Larry King? I mean, and as you said just a few years ago, I mean, it makes because it's like this strange mix of like high school and then not, and then with surrealism sort of thrown in, and the idea that they're standing on the porch, and then in my head they're acting out of the high school roles too, where it's like. So, uh, do you mind if I come in for the sexing? And, you know, and, and Katie Kirk said, it's been a wonderful evening. Don't spoil it, Larry. And gives him a peck on the cheek. And meanwhile, Larry King is just sort of reeking of vitalis and lust, you know. <laughs> Cursing Wendy's name. <laughs> Maybe celebrities are just playing Larry King bingo. I, each one of them have to ch sort of, like, check off that box where they go on a date with him or something. Like they've lost some sort of a contest. Yeah, they pulled like a short giant, straw. It's just like a giant game. That we know uh, nothing about. I will. I'll let Anderson Cooper take us to break the way he <laughs> took himself to break uh, last night. This is about six seconds. Uh, Sarah, rather than using uh, you know one of my forward promotes where I tease something that's coming up, I'll let Anderson Cooper do it. And when we return, we'll have uh, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week and more from Tim Riley. I will have much more of my interview with Larry tomorrow. I love that. Still to come, what is billed as the world's smallest cat? Broadcasting from the greatest city of. We'll do it live! Oh, well, whatever. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Indeed. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. Sometime before the end of the hour. And we're going to give away uh, another set of Max Fleischer Superman 1941-1942 DVDs. That is a two-disc set on DVD. Restored with original film elements from the Warner Brothers vault, the Max Fleischer Superman Collection. It is the definitive Superman collection on DVD representing the World War II era, ladies and gentlemen. That is uh, coming up uh, before the end of the show. Mere moments, we'll have Kelly Clark from the uh, Willamette Week, who's going to be talking. I, it, it's a two-part. It's actually, it, it's not just about uh, people in animal costumes humping it out. Occasionally, they're drunk while doing so. And uh, as part of that, uh, I know the uh, uh, drink guide is out as well. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Tim Riley, what stories are we tracking for the people on this jolly Thursday? Well, the guy charged with stabbing the other guy in the Jack in the Box parking lot flips off the judge. Four idiots have been arrested after their plan to bomb a Jewish temple in the Bronx was spoiled by undercover agents selling them fake missiles. Mayor Adams' former spokesman sues the city. A Seattle man is burned playing lighter fluid tag. Excellent. Good for him. Hey, by the way, speaking of idiots and beatings, did you see, well, and I know you did, Tim. Have anybody else seen the uh, that uh, Birmingham uh, uh, chase footage? Oh, yeah. I have it on my web page. No. It's look unbelievable. At it. no. Go to RileyLive.com. Take a look at it. Okay. it. Seriously, it is like the, I, it's, and it, can't, it must not be that long. I mean, the clip that I, seconds. yeah, the clip I saw, yeah, it was less than a minute. It is, it's astounding. <laughs> Kelly, have you seen the... No, I haven't seen this. I can't wait. Oh, it is It is fantastic. I'll show it. So, okay. Is it Texas State School Handicap Fight? 
No, that no, but we should watch like that too. Something altogether, <laughs> altogether different. Um, oh, darn it! It was supposed to post. So I'll go back and post it. This is this is some. It's a first person perspective. Um, it does look very much like a video game, but it's a first person perspective. It's that dashboard camera that uh, that a lot of cops have in their cars, so they can you know, and it's presumably there to keep them from you know savagely beating a guy with nightclubs, even when they richly deserve it. Um, so. They are chasing a guy in a minivan who, I, I guess he was wanted for something rather than being a jackass. And so they, it, it, he's speeding down the road. I mean, he's just going like 100 miles an hour or something. At one point, they're, thr- they're trying to throw those like spike strips down in the road to, uh, you know, to flatten his tires, to, to stop him from, you know, to impede his forward progress. And the guy in the minivan, this is really what gets him the beating, is that the cop jumps out into the road... You know, but with like ample, you know, like a hundred yards in front of him, throws down the spike strip. The guy swerves, tries to hit the cop, and you know, and, oh. and kill him. I mean, he and he misses. I mean, the cop. I think he ran over his foot. The cop dodged, luckily, and the cop only got his leg run over. Um, but the guy was very clearly trying to hit the cop with his car. You know, unable to do that, and she's like, "Well, okay, I'll, I'll get back to the evading." So he just floors it. He gets thrown out of the car like a rag doll. He speed. The cops are chasing him. He speeds. He goes over some like a, an embankment or something. The vehicle in which the suspect is fleeing, I say suspect as though he's not clearly guilty of any dozens of things, Uh, it it rolls, he gets thrown out of the car like a ragdoll, just hits the ground, and it's one of those things where he hits the ground and you can tell he's just shattered everything uh, in the impact. The cops immediately pull up, and it's so great because what you see from the first-person perspective of the camera is the guy rolls, he hits the ground, and then from the left and right sides (laughs) of the frame, you see the cops rush in. Billy Club's already in their hands, and they just go to work on him like they were tenderizing a steak. It's just, it's awesome. So, anyway, so just, uh, you got you, you watch that. It's fantastic. It should be posted in a few minutes. I don't know why it's so slow today. Uh, I, I can't know. wait to watch it. Because everybody wants to see it. Everybody is gathered around the computer work going, Bob, you got to come check this out. It's righteous. All right. Also, Righteous is the drink guide out from uh, Willamette Week. Kelly Clark, is that not the case? Oh, my gosh. It's so great. We went to, well, stumbled to 125 of our favorite bars. That was kind of the theme. It was basically places we really, really like to drink. Work is hard. It's difficult. (laughs) And apparently, we like to drink in a lot of different places. Uh, So the new thing that we did this year, which is the best, is we scoured out and figured out the happy hours for every single place. So every single listing for all 125 bars tells you exactly when you can drink for cheap. And I think the best uh, the best deal, hands down, the Red Room out on 82nd, you can do a dollar mystery shot anytime you want. And so, this is a dumb question, mystery shot, you just don't, I mean, you just go, give me whatever they is in this. probably just don't want bo- to know. No, no, no. They have six bottles in paper bags, and you roll a die. A you jug a with an X on the side you roll of it. You dice, and then you just have to drink whatever they give you. And it's always something. It's like banana cream liqueur, or sometimes it's a nice tequila. You never know. And then, you obviously, you have to get something afterwards, but they've got really cheap beer, so it's a great place. You should check it out. That's cool. my favorite happy hour. Excellent. The dollar mystery shot. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, so, so let's talk about the book. There's no way to segue into this <laughs> yeah, smoothly, by How the way. Stay the, on Drink Guide when we've got this to talk about. So you brought in this book with you, and it, it's a book called Ferverts. It is called Ferverts. And that is F-U-R-V-E-R-T-S. And so we have had... I mean, I'm and Nibbler's not, a huge fan of it, by the way. He's already looked at it. And I'm not going to say that, yeah. we're, that we, you know, we're like the first people to talk about furries or whatever. Clearly, we're not. But I, but I, it's a point of pride with me that we were on the furry plushy uh, thing like way before the mainstream media caught on to it years ago. Sure. Um, because that is a sort of that's a fetish that fascinates me only because of this. You wonder a. Like, how long has that been around? I mean, was that was that a thing that existed a hundred years ago, where the guys were, you know, wanting to get it on with their? You know, as long as there's been animal costumes, I mean, furries. that's the thing. So it's like if there was, you know, and I'm trying to think of how long there have been 
animal mascots that are sort of used for things. And when they started, like teddy bears dated from, is it Teddy Roosevelt? Is that the, is that the deal? Yeah, that's Teddy. So, I mean, when the first teddy bears came out, did it suddenly just create, like turning on a switch, like a whole generation of people who were, you know, in the, you know, the plushy guys. And also it's because of the internet, right? Because you get it before the internet, you could probably live and die your whole life in some city thinking you were the only guy who was into that. But now the Internet has brought them all together into one sort of figurative room. Uh, and we have a listener uh, who actually who is a furry who came on uh, into the show one day in his elk costume, I think it was, or an antelope like costume. Lots of Wait, there might be an elk in here. But I mean, it was like he but it was like a four thousand dollar costume that he had just spent just hundreds and hundreds of hours stitching together. It was it was impressive. It really was. So what is this book, though? So this is kind of the opposite. Uh, there's a gentleman named Michael Coliantri. Coliantri I'm going to murder his name, and I apologize. Uh, he just moved to town, and he's a commercial photographer, works for GQ, works for McDonald's, kind of all of these big-name companies. And in his spare time, he shoots people you know, humping in animal costumes. Basically, it was a silly idea. Uh, he had heard of furries and basically staged his own sort of imaginary furry Kama Sutra. So he's got 20 animal costumes in here in a variety of poses. You know, there's a seal servicing a a, a panda. Seal service. <laughs> and uh, there's... I mean, I need my seal rooster. service. Can you leave that? That's, yeah. Please don't say that. <laughs> That's a phrase we should avoid. That was really gross. <laughs> So uh, I think if it had not followed the word rooster, it might have been a little bit more acceptable. <laughs> rooster, but yeah, now I'm blushing. Wow! But um, the best, I want like a looking. You should at, let Rick see some actually, of the I know, but looking the at the book of, this, of animal sex, he won't couldn't make you get blush. any furries to talk to him. So it's his wife in the costume with his ex best friend, which makes it so much. Wait a minute. Creepier. So these are what his so ex best friend? Yeah. So wait, what his, happened? It's, why, why he wouldn't tell me. Wait, hold on. Ooh. So it's his wife and his ex best friend who are actually posing for these because he did because real. Because the real furries would not... They didn't want to see it exploited. They didn't want to see it exploited. So this, oh, is, his, wow. this is his fever dream of what furry sex looks like. Okay, this is... <laughs> is that wow. disturbing? That's why wow. I Wow. <laughs> wow. I think I, uh, we're living in the time of the furry. Like, my friends just uh, filmed a music video for their band, and they had, they had like, an audience uh, full of furries. Okay, oh, yeah, here's, there you go. here's the thing. Do you suppose that his, that his thinking with this book, and it's called uh, Fervert, and I... I there's no way I can describe how disconcerting this is. Um, do you? S- I like the last one with the frog on the air conditioning unit. See, hold on, I'm flipping ahead. Hold on a second. It's, um, it's coming. Oh, Jesus, God Almighty! It makes you feel kind of dirty looking at it. Yeah. It does. Um, so, do you suppose his theory is that the the furry uh, market is, as they used to, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mile deep but an inch wide. In other words, is maybe. Proportionally speaking, not a lot of furries in the country, but but that's a market. I mean, but anything you know, you put out that appeals to that market, they'll all buy it. Actually, it's a lot more simple than that. It's a total joke. He had it as a bar idea with his friends a couple years ago and shot it purely because he kind of needs a creative release from doing his commercial work. He never thought it would be a book. Chronicle Books actually called him up and said, can we make a book out of it? I'm trying to imagine who would Is buy this. Is that on his though. resume now? It's on his resume now, and I guess his commercial clients think it's the funniest thing ever. So the best part is, you know, he kind of made this up in his head. He couldn't get a hold of the fairies. He wanted to try to do it in a convention, and so he decided to just do a mockumentary-style book. Well, now he's getting mail from the furries. Uh, he's getting a lot of hate mail from the furries. Uh, Number one, because they say this doesn't actually happen, and furries don't have sex. And number two, because they have way better costumes. Well, I would agree with that. Having seen one in person, I would that second point. There's probably some yeah. some, some credence to be paid there. The 
I'll say this, uh, and I, I keep meaning to bring this in so I kind of have it on display because I talk about this probably once a month. I don't know if you ever see, if the last time you stayed in a travel lodge hotel was. I mean, uh, okay, the next time you stay in a travel lodge or, or even just stop by and ask to see one of their bathrooms because you stay in a travel lodge and the bar of soap that they give you at the travel lodge hotel, because there's two, there's one for your face and there's one that's like a body soap and I guess one's more delicate or something than the other, um, one like a gentler one. You know that Travelodge bear that is their mascot? Mm-hmm. The next time, uh, in fact, I'll bring it in, and the next time you're here, I'll show it to you. You look at the bar of soap that they sell, uh, that they offer in the Travelodge, and it's the one that's in the shower that is like the all-over body soap. It is it's so unbelievably creepy. The wrapper is black, so it's the bar of soap, and it's in a black wrapper. And then across the front, like the Hollywood sign, it just says in big, bold, white letters, it says, Body presumably indicating that it's a body soap, but then draped across the word body like Marilyn Monroe is, it's clearly not a drawing, uh, and it's it's clearly not like a stuffed animal. It is a person in the Travelodge Bear suit, in like a full-on huge mascot suit. How have I ever, how have I lived and, without seeing this? And they're kind of doing the, the arm behind the head and then the other one on the thigh pose, the sort of like, come on up and see me sometime pose, draped, I mean, it's just straddling the word body. There's just no other way to describe it. And my theory is, that they're doing that to try to attract the furry uh, demo because those guys travel around there. They have conventions they have and they get together. quite often. And you got to figure that's the thing. If you're not in that lifestyle, you wouldn't ever notice it. But if you are, it's like a little secret code to come, you know, come stay here. So it's total upside for them. They get 100% of the furry market. They don't lose any of the ancillary markets. This is an amazing theory, right? I don't spend all my time thinking about people in animal costumes having sex. I swear to God. Hey, we'll be back after this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Kelly Clark, Willamette Week, the new issue on stands now, yes? So now, or go to wweek.com and you can see everything online. All right. Uh, Tim Riley will uh, return with more news for the people and their edification in just minutes. This is the Rick Emerson Show. Here's ACDC. It's Rock 101, KUFO on Thursday morning. Share your thoughts with billions. I love a man in yellow pants. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Yeah. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. I have good news, everyone. Tomorrow we're going to be talking to McGee. Uh, he's the uh, director of Terminator 4, Terminator Salvation. Uh, McGee, tomorrow. Also, Charlie And Charlie's Angel. Angels full throttle. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about nothing but Charlie's Angels full throttle. <laughs> and, ah, uh, never mind. Uh, just, and the endless lingering close-ups of Cameron Diaz's uh, buttocks encased in the... I mean, Harry Knowles from Ain't It, uh, Ain't it Cool.com. It was like every single review he would write about Charlie's Angels, it just had like... I mean, it's like whole swaths of 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 print. Oh. Not just paragraph after paragraph. They were just like these sort of. It was like odes to an ass, uh, but it was all just about the. It was just all about the ass of Cameron Diaz and about how. So the, it's like the, Quentin Tarantino with his foot fetish, but it's an ass fetish. Yes, it's exactly like that. Anyway, so tomorrow, uh, McGee uh, at six o'clock. Uh, he's the uh, director of Terminator Four. Also, Aaron Duran from Geek in the City and mystery guest. So yesterday we <laughs> took the first pass of the mystery guest, and we talked to. Uh, I know that was way too easy for you. I give you way too much information. And whatever, something, Maisley's or whatever, the, the woman who uh, traveled across the country Maisner. in a motorhome with her cat. B.J. Maisner. B.J. Maisner. So we talked to her yesterday, and I, I think I acquitted myself pretty well, actually. So. No, but I think I gave you too much information, because it's not really a mystery guest if I give you, like, because I read you everything and then gave you the paper. And, and you even gave me sample questions from the book, actually. So if the whole theory is that I only get 30 seconds notice 
of who the guest is and what they're talking about, and then I have to make it sound like I know what I'm doing, then... Maybe I should just give you three bullet points about I mean, the person. Okay, well, so then to be fair, yeah, maybe only bullet points, and maybe maybe not even 30. I mean, if I'm really going to you know do this, maybe like 20 seconds, if okay. we're not going to do full questions. So, okay. So, uh, obviously then, so I'll give you a little bit of like who the person is. Okay, Nibbler and I picked out this person. It is going... To be genius. We keep looking at each other and laughing for like two days. Now, does Tim know who the mystery guest is for tomorrow? Tim does. I do, yes. All right. Do you believe that, uh, do you believe it'll be an amusing segment? I do. Very much so. Do you believe you'll be able to equip myself as an interviewer? Mm -hmm. All right. Because I know you well enough to know your weak points. And I think that this is going, like, it's, yeah, it's like picking the absolute uh, person that'll flummox you. And I think that you, like, the cat lady was a little easy. All right. So that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, I'll do mystery guest uh, as well as uh, Aaron Duran and McGee, director of Terminator. Uh, for salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, it's 843. We're looking for sunny skies today. High temperatures will be in the mid-70s. It's going to be beautiful weather all the way through next Wednesday. The guy who allegedly stabbed the other guy in the parking lot at the Northeast Jack in the Box gets slapped with a $275,000 bond. Michael Thomas also flipped off the judge. Attention bicyclists, Lloyd Center planters who think about turning Northeast Holiday Street into a bike, pedestrian, and max-only thoroughfare. This will be for the Rose Quarter to Northeast 13th. Mayor Adams, former spokesman, is suing the city. Wade Norima claims the mayor lied, claiming he left his job because it was too stressful. Well, uh, the former press secretary claims he made it clear to the mayor that he was quitting due to the mayor's own lies. Hollywood comes to the Couve. Harrison Ford and Brandon Fraser have been seen walking around in Vancouver. They were filming a motion picture there entitled The Untitled Crowley Project. Then we have the man in uh, Port Angeles, Nelson Blewett. Well, he blew it one night playing the lighter <laughs> fluid game. Oh. Oh. He spent eight hours in the emergency room at Harborview Medical Center after he caught on fire and jumped off a balcony while trying to put on flames. What kind of flames are we talking about, Tim? Well, first, they were playing the game wrong. They started putting lighter fluid in their mouths, blowing big old clouds of fire. (laughs) Then they played the lighter fluid tag game, but they didn't play it right. What'd you do? (laughs) What are the actual rules, Tim? You you pour lighter fluid all over friends. Step one. Set them on fire. Two. And then put the fire out immediately. Oh. Well, they couldn't put the fire out immediately because he jumped from the balcony. (laughs) So, Mr. Blewett... Faces months of medical care. He won't be able to continue working at construction, which he does for a living, and he has to go without pay. Bob, get back here. We've got to put you out. Oh, don't Wait, what jump. balcony did he jump off of? Uh, like, he's at his friend's house and just ran away? This happened after they were uh, blowing big old clouds of fire from their mouths. <laughs> I, it seems like there's a bad Johnny Cash parody there somewhere, but I, I think running away... There's a certain elasticity to that word. That implies that he was deliberately sort of just trying to evade them. When in reality, I think it may have been sort of a reaction to like, ow, ow, hey, I'm on fire. (laughs) So we have uh, two conflicting John Mayer stories here. This is the heartwarming one. He made a young woman's birthday that much better when he serenaded her with a birthday song at her table. The musician was eating at a restaurant in Hollywood where a girl was celebrating her 18th birthday. When he got up to head to the restroom, the table of ladies reportedly started screaming and swooning. Then he approached the table and sang happy birthday to the birthday girl and gave her a kiss on the cheek. Well, the paparazzi aren't as uh, good to John Mayer. As a matter of fact, they kept shouting at him that he was a douchebag. Yeah, you act like you're cool. You act like you're cool. You act like you're cool. Hey, hey, you're a douchebag, John Mayer. Douchebag, man. 
Well, he's not going to sing happy birthday to them. No. no. I, and I have met John Mayer, and I can confirm that he is indeed a douchebag. Really? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. It's just odd. This is about like when we were talking about the Anderson Cooper thing, where he's talking about his mom banging it out with Marlon Brando. It's. It seems like journalists have... Uh, it seems like journalism is a little bit different than it was perhaps back uh, back even 10 or 15 years ago. You can't really imagine, like, I was going to say Walter Cronkite again, but really anybody shouting, hey, you're a douchebag, at some guy with whom they were hoping to get an interview. It doesn't really seem like that's a page at a Dale Carnegie or anything. Hey, speaking of crazy, did we ever resolve yesterday what happened with Paula Abdul? Because I've heard she changed it from a plane crash to a bus crash. No, to- no, so here's, I know what you're talking about there. Aaron Duran noted that uh, Paula Abdul's insane claim that she was surrounded by flames in a plane. I was trying to do a fourth one. Anyway, but the, the story that she was in peddling. The in, in the Yeah, that, that her, she was in this plane that caught on fire and that she was paralyzed for five years. And just was all insane. He noted that that is almost exactly the same as this thing that did happen to Gloria Stefan uh, many years ago. Where she was in a bus accident and uh, she had a spinal injury and they didn't think she would walk again. And then, you know, this is a heartwarming story. And that's what Paula said that she yeah. had, right? Yeah, and then Gloria Stefan, she went through rehab for her for her back injury, and she was able to walk. But it was a very serious accident. It was a big deal at the time, because it was a big, uh, she was on, traveling in a bus, and I forget, somebody hit somebody, and the bus tipped over, I think. And anyway, spinal column damage, and, you know, they thought that she was going to be paralyzed. and whatnot. But but if you swap out plane for that, like, at, and add the fire part of it, <laughs> that's exactly the story that Paula Abdul was telling. So I wonder if it's like... How Ronald Reagan used to just recite, uh, he used to tell stories about, I met a young man in a hospital, but it was like something that he, that was in a movie he'd been in one time. Oh, that's awkward. And it was like, you get the feeling he didn't really know the difference. Mm-hmm. I you wonder know, it's if- weird, if you look up Paul Abdul now and look in the news for that story, it's like mysteriously vanished. Really? Yeah, you can't find it anywhere. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. Well, with the holiday weekend around the corner, it's time to visit with Dr. Barbecue. And we ask him, <laughs> is it true that more men are manning the barbecue grill this season than women? <laughs> what was that? Hell, it was a Dr. Barbecue. <laughs> what seems to have gone wrong with his grill? Maybe he was playing the lighter fluid. Game. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again to play the lighter fluid game. <laughs> so have a great time barbecuing, and and please don't pee in the pool. Like one in five people admit to doing, according to the recent survey. Uh, this is the best show ever. Wow. Okay. Sometimes you don't have to try very hard to put on a show. That's fantastic. Well, on that note, kids, we're going to thank CNN Radio Correspondents, Jim Rubin, Steve Kastenbaum, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, Tom Lennon, and Ben Grant from Reno 911, their new movie, Night at the Museum, Battle of Smithsonian, opens tomorrow. Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. Don't forget, tomorrow, Mick G, director of Terminator 4. That's at 6 o'clock. Aaron Duran from Kick in the City and a mystery guest. Rick Ebers, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 1 KUFO with the news desk, Dim Riley. On the phones, Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians, uh, the gatekeeper is Dave's in the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't have with me, Reynolds, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock, the 90s, uh, smells like the 90s, coming up at 9 a.m., ladies and gentlemen. I'm Rick Emerson, and that is the frequency. Kenneth, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Rando was a piece of work. My mom dated him briefly. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a date. I think it was like a one-night date. Anyway. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.